to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. What's going on, everybody? How we doing? I had another big weekend, y'all. Another big weekend of traveling and doing cool shit with cool people. I went to the Self-Reliance Fest down in Camden, Tennessee and had one hell of a time, which you're about to see, or rather hear. Now, I got a whole lot of audio, and I've decided that I'm going to do one episode here with all the interviews that I conducted. I think I interviewed probably a dozen people or so, really cool people doing really cool stuff, and I want to put those all together. And we'll see, I haven't decided for sure, but I also got some audio of some of the lectures that were given, some of the workshops, and that audio is a little bit rough, so I figured I'd separate it, you know, I'll do maybe a part two with some clips from some of these lectures, knowing that the sound quality of that won't be quite as good as this. You know, I think it would be too much to try to cram it all together. So just like with the Childerberg episodes, I'm going to break it up into two pieces. So I guess I won't, I won't introduce it too much except to say that this was another gathering of liberty minded folk. Now, unlike Childerberg, it was almost strictly focused on the sharing of knowledge and skills, you know, networking as well. But there were people giving lectures, trying to impart their expertise in order to help, you know, other folks in similar and similar endeavors. So it was a lot of homestead related stuff, a lot of permaculture stuff, you know, some self-defense stuff, some dog training stuff, you know, you name it, you know, how to make the best compost in the world. That was a topic of discussion uh, from more than a couple people. But it was amazing to meet some of these folks who I've been listening to for quite a while. You know, John Bush, Jack Spierko, Nick Ferguson, Patrick Rorman, uh, John Willis, just, just a few of the names, right? 
And these are some these are some powerhouse names in this space. And I got on a first name basis with with a number of them. You know, we'll see if uh, if I can stay in their lexicon. You know, that's kind of on me. I'm going to be emailing Nicole Sauce, who was the only one I had already met. I met her last summer at Rogue Food. Now, I can't say for certain she remembered my name, but she remembered my face, and she was very, very excited to see me again. And, uh, you know, she said after after her and I had a chat, she said, you got to come on one of our Wednesday lives. You know, we'll, we'll plug your show. We'll get you some exposure. I said, man, that'd be awesome. You know, I would really, really appreciate that. So once again, just an incredible place with incredible people. Had a good time, you know, partied it up a little bit, but not nearly as hard as Childerberg. This was a, a more practical kind of event. But don't get me wrong, you know, I drank some beer, a little bit of moonshine, smoked a little grass, hung out, you know, after dark. You know, I I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I might have gone skinny dipping. So it was a party, you know. All in all, just off the charts, good fun. Good fun. So with that, y'all, I'm going to drop you in. Like I said, this is going to be kind of rapid fire mini interviews with people from all different disciplines and, um, I, I think this one is just killer. This is such a good episode. I hope that you really listen closely because you'll learn. You'll learn quite a bit if you pay attention to this one. You know, this, <clears throat> this episode might be the white pill. And I, I truly mean it. If you've been black pilled or you know if you're just feeling a little little uncertain about the future of this world listen to this and I think you'll feel a whole lot better all right so here is self-reliance fest part one all right man what's what's your name uh, my name's Greg Dowd all right, and what's your show? You said you got a podcast? Yeah, I got a podcast. It's called the Meadows and Makers Podcast on YouTube, and uh, under the Tinker Tribe is my channel name. Say that again? The Tinker Tribe. No, the Meadow. what was it? Meadows and Makers. Meadows and Makers. So what do you talk about? We talk about self-reliance. We talk about trying to give people a white pill, you know, yeah. things that they can do, solutions. Solutions-based. That's what I try to do, too. I like... On my show, I almost never cover like current events or politics. I try to interview people that are doing cool shit. Yeah. Which is partly why I like felt like I had to be here. You yeah. know. Have you heard of Childerberg? Yeah, I have, man. So but, uh... I went to I went to Childerberg. <laughs> I did a two part episode down there. Okay. Killer time, cool people. Uh, it was like a pop up anarchist village. I figured yeah. this was going to be a whole lot more organized, and it, it kind of is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was very like free form and like. People brought stuff to barter and trade. Uh, you know, I traded vegetable starts for fucking psilocybin. Like, oh wow, killer trade. You know, nice. yeah. <laughs> and uh, just as an example, but so like, how, have you been to Self Reliance Fest before, or is this first time? Yeah, I was here for the first two actually. Were you? So yeah. this is number three. This is number three. Okay, yeah, it was the fourth year for Childerberg. 
Uh, next year is going to be the big one, they say. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like all this stuff is like building up. Like there's like a critical mass that's like almost be, you know being reached. Yeah. Where I, I I guess I'd be curious. It's early, obviously. It's only like 8:30 right now. Uh, so it's hard to say what the crowd's going to be like here, but what, how many folks have been here in the past, do you know? So the past two events, uh, the first event was probably maybe 120 people. The next time they did the event, it grew to close to 200. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the biggest one they've had so far. It's just gaining more and more in popularity. More people are seeing that they need to have some skills, and yeah, this yeah. is a really great event. I've been to other events like... Uh, Anarchadelphia, Anarchapoco. Uh-huh. Cool, you went to Anarchapoco? I've been to Anarchapoco. Man, that sounds like a good time. That's just a long way to go. It is, Mexico. it is. Yeah. And it's expensive. They keep this very affordable. Yeah, and yeah. actually, this is uh, the event I think would be superior to that because, uh, in my in my opinion, because they have demonstrations, live demonstrations, people can come and they can ask questions to the people that have set up their uh, little demonstrations on self-reliance, self, uh, self-sufficiency. So I'm so. seeing, like, for example, we got a guy right here. It looks like he's the, I was reading about all the different demonstrations or uh, vendors or whatever. I think this must be the guy that's doing um, distillation for fuel, yes. right? Yes, alcohol, so, bi- fuel, yeah. Biofuel, basically, or? Uh, alcohol, fuel. So he's he's making moonshine. moonshine. Yeah. Yeah, high, yeah. Proof, high proof alcohol. Bro, so I, <laughs> I, I tour guide part-time at a distillery, and a lot of what I talk about is like moonshine culture and sort of circumvention of the law. And, um, you know, I talk about like outlaw culture, right? And uh, even though I'm working at a licensed, you know, bonded and bonded, whatever, distillery. bottled and bonded distillery, um, you know, I talk about how like this area of Southern Indiana was big, you know, moonshine area. And uh, I always say, if you want to make your own shine, now I'm not a lawyer, don't take, don't take this as legal advice, but set up your still, and if anybody asks, you're not making moonshine, you're making biofuel. Yeah. You know, and like, so I went to Rogue Food last summer. Have I was you, there as well. Were you? Were yeah. you? Cool, cool. Uh, that was awesome. The yeah. one outside of Nashville, right? Uh, Lewisburg. Yeah, okay. I was there, yeah. Joel Salton. That was killer. Thomas I, Massey. I talked to him. I, I, I got in line for lunch behind Thomas Massey and we talked about his clucks capacitor for like an hour. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a cool dude. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, but this idea at Rogue Food that I think is really uh, cool is like, it's the moonshine attitude. Like, we're not going to we're not going to overtly break the law, but we're going to work our way around it by changing our language. So, you know, we're not moonshiners, we're biofuel distillers, right? Yeah. You know, and we're not, we're not small ag farmers. We're, we're market gardeners. We're, you know, or it's not a, it's not a co-op. It's a food church, all this stuff, like yeah. change the language and we can do what, whatever we want as long as we're careful about what we say, right? Right, well, understanding the legal system as it's set up and, and it's operating. Not you, it's not what you do, it's what you say you're doing. Right. You know? Right, exactly, yeah. because you'll you'll bring problems on yourself if you claim a certain thing, and, mm-hmm. and then if you're uh, operating within the public, if you're in the private, there's a, there's a whole thing between the public and the private, if you can understand some of that stuff. Uh, getting getting into some of the legal things, I've kind of tumbled down that rabbit hole a little bit. Well, for my gardening business, I I do members only um, because that's, because that's it, part of it. it's it's legally insulating. If you only do work for people who sign up for a membership and are part of a private club, 
um, you're you're protected in a way that a front-facing business is not. Absolutely. Right? So that's something I learned at Rogue Food. I kind of already knew it, but like, you know, Neethi Bali talking about her food church and food club and this and that. Yep. It's like uh, that idea of a private members-only club. It's like it can still be a for-profit business, but by doing it that way, you're you're not putting yourself in any kind of legal jeopardy. You know, it's like these people voluntarily signed up to be a part of this club, and therefore, you know, whatever they can't sue me for nothing. Yeah, right? it's right. like the VF. <laughs> it's like the VFW or uh-huh. a lot of these other uh, like the you know Moose Lodge is, uh-huh. is 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 an example. There's lots of these private membership associations, and that they don't need like a liquor license because they're no. members only, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I've been very interested in trying to set up like a a brick and mortar facility like Neethi Bali did, like a food church club, whatever you want to call it. But I'd love to have like an upstairs speakeasy as yeah. a part of it. Like, you know, how cool would it be if you had a place in your neighborhood that you could go to once a week, do your shopping, whatever, throw all your you know produce in the cooler, and then pop upstairs and have a cold one with some of your local like pals. Yeah, you know, and like-minded like, people. Yeah, so it's sort of a hangout space and a functional like uh, marketplace, right? Yeah. But I think the people at events like this, man, were like. If we can't fucking solve this shit, nobody can. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why I keep making an effort to go to these events because it's like, <sighs> it can be pretty uh, depressing if you just look around at the people that you know from your like common daily life. Absolutely. And you're the only one with any idea of how to fix anything. Right. <laughs> uh, but you come to something like this and you're you're one of a hundred or one of a thousand, right? It's very invigorating to it meet is, other like-minded is. people, share, share your ideas, your solutions, things that uh, give you some hope for the future. So one more time, man, your name, your show, and uh, I don't think I asked, but what do you do for money? Uh, right now I have a day job and I do, uh, I work in a shop that produces braces for kids with disabilities. Too cool. And, uh, so it's Greg Dowd. Uh, I have a podcast, Meadows and Makers Podcast on YouTube. You can find my channel. It's The Tinker Tribe on YouTube. And, um, been doing that for a few years now. And, uh, similar to you, man, try to bring on guests that are doing cool stuff. Yeah, man. And try to inspire some people. Uh, yeah. I think that's uh, probably the best solution, uh, yeah. other than jamming information in their face. And yeah, enough people are talking wrong and everything. En- enough people are talking about the problems. You know, like yeah, the solutions. Are what are fun. what are some actionable things that you can do in your own life to make yeah. it better yeah. and affect the people around you? Right. Maybe that's making moonshine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really good to meet you, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate Mike again. Appreciate your time. Yeah, Mike Whistler, Easy Peasy Podcast. Uh, I'll probably be posting this in a day or two. So, cool. you know, maybe at some point we can do like a little collaboration. You know, I can come on your show. Or I'd love whatever. to have you on yeah. my show. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. All right, brother. All right. Thank Peace. you. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. So you're here selling first aid gear. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Is this like a full-time endeavor for you or? Yeah, it's full-time endeavor. So Drum Emergency Solutions started out building custom uh, bleeding control kits for schools. My wife is an elementary school teacher, so I was yeah. looking for something for her. So that's kind of how we got into the business. I'm a paramedic by trade. Um, so we do a couple different things. We do organizational procurement, and that's basically because I have all this stuff, so might as well sell it to places. We do custom kitting, so the kit you see on the table, little kit there, you know, that's one of our school kits. Kit here, uh, originally built for some sheriff's offices and stuff like that. 
Um, so the custom kitting thing is a, like a big part of the business, and then training. So we do all manner of trauma care training, basic, advanced, law enforcement, tactical, all of those things. And then wilderness, every level of wilderness medicine. I was going to well. say you do like the solo woofer course. Yeah, and all that. correct. So yep. we do wolf, we do woofer, we do wilderness first aid, uh, and advanced wilderness life support. I took is, I took woofer, and I'm so glad I did. Um, I think that's if you want like a uh, crash course in like real world trauma. Yeah, totally. Sort of first aid, first responder. It's no joke. Uh, yeah, and the woofer course, you know, really is like an EMT class that's condensed down to about a week, so yeah, it's yeah. pretty effective. The the what you need to know, worst case scenario. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. And I, I appreciated my instructor because he'd say like, "Do not do this in the front country, or you will get sued." Totally. But if you're in the back country, the rules are different. Yeah, and that's and that's information you need. Absolutely. You know, he talked us through how to do a tracheotomy, or not a tracheotomy, but a what do you call it? Cricothyrotomy. I, I guess. A crike, yeah. Um, what do you call it? Aspiration or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you gotta, if somebody needs to expel fluid from their lungs or what have you, and it's like. Just knowing that that's possible if you had to do it, and that it's really not that terribly complicated. Yeah, it's not complicated. But you got to do it right. It's just difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I see you've got like you've got these splints that I've seen before. Um, yeah, man. You have so, like the Israeli like trauma so, dressing. Yep, Israeli bandages right yep, here. Yeah. Uh, shipped in fresh from Israel. Still got desert dust on them. <laughs> Uh, lots of wound care stuff, you know, uh -huh. one of the things and kind of the homestead and prepper community dealing with wounds, sort of an austere environment. So we have kind of all that wound care kind of stuff up to and including obstetrical kits, right? Because sometimes women decide to have babies at inopportune times and maybe wow. you're the one delivering the baby on the farm. So it's nice to have the gear yeah. to pull that off. So, so you got like a, you got like a sanitary like blanket in there and what i mean what are yeah, we yeah man so a lot of sterile stuff you got the clamps for the umbilical, umbilical cord scissors, umbilical clamps. scissors wow. so a bulb syringe pretty critical when you deliver a baby baby's noses and mouths yeah, basically their airway yeah. is uh -huh. full of gunk you want to clear that out because so the you basic don't. tools that you would need yeah, yeah so this is exactly what they're going to pull out in the er on the ambulance so you got the same kit and uh get that baby birthed and off to work in the field <laughs> yeah too cool, man. Well, uh, so do you, do you sell all this stuff online? If uh, my I listeners do. wanted to buy a kit from you, you got... Or, yeah, absolutely. So cool. drumemergencysolutions.com is the web address. And okay. everything's for sale online. Um, you know, I source all kinds of things. So shooting me an email is the best way to get things you're looking for. But mm -hmm. a lot of the trauma care stuff you'll find on the website for sale. Well, I, I'm like... You know, I try to take my first aid seriously. I, you know, I work, I'm a gardener, landscaper, and occasionally I cut myself in, yeah. in the process of my work. And it's like if you go to CVS or Walmart, the, the, the first aid kits they carry are just garbage. Totally. And um, it's kind of like you have to almost go to somebody like you to get a legitimate, you know. Yeah, and, kit. you know, buying the stuff you need. And so today when I give my talk, that's really what it's going to be about, you know, doing a risk assessment on yourself, understanding, like, what your needs are, mm -hmm. you know, in your environment. You know, I don't have, have a have pregnant woman at home, so I might right. not need the so obstetrician. You, you don't need but, this, but, yeah. you know, you're out landscaping, you're always sweaty. So maybe instead of having Band-Aids, you have a roll of Coban and some 4 by 4 gauze pads, right? So mm -hmm. even if you're sweaty and covered in gunk. You can still get that wrapped up. Coban's going to wrap and stick and prevent or provide a nice, not waterproof, but a nice barrier to your injury until you can get home and yeah. get cleaned up. So, yeah. you know, and that goes 
to all manners of emergencies. So yeah, yeah. if you're on a homestead preparing for like the worst, you know, your preparedness should match what your threats are, what your needs are. Right. And that's different for everybody. Right. So. Well, I tell you what, I think uh, that'll probably do it, but I appreciate your time. Tell awesome, me, Jake. Is Jake. Mike. That's nice my name. You, if you want to hear yourself, uh, the Easy Peasy Podcast. Cool, man. Yep. Um, yeah, it'll probably post in a day or two. But awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get around to like all of these libertarian events that I can. Yeah. Because there's too many cool people like yourself doing cool stuff. You know, it's like got to get everybody, uh, you know, plugged in. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. There's yeah. a lot of super cool people out there doing super cool things. No so. doubt. No doubt. That's the best thing about setting up these is talking to everybody else, seeing what they're doing. So. Right on, man. Well, uh, I wish you the best. Hope hope you move some product. Thanks. Good to yeah. talk to you. You too. Yeah. Andrew Butchin with the uh, EMP Show. He's our director of marketing and sales. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're with the Easy Peasy Podcast. You're on the Easy Peasy Podcast. Yeah. I go by Mike the Polymath. Okay. All right, Mike the Poly. Uh, so I, I, I saw your booth, and this is some really interesting shit here. Uh, yeah. So you're selling little devices, and I'm curious how they work, but the idea is obvious. This is protecting your equipment from electromagnetic pulses. Yep, yep correct. That's correct. So, so it's, a, it's a little device with a large capability. Okay. Um, so what this is, is this is the solution to protecting an active electrical system from an EMP. So before EMP shield, you, in order to protect against EMP, you'd have to have what was called a Faraday cage. Right. Which means that you're putting your equipment inside of a box and not using it. Right. What this is doing is it's taking the military standards, which define how to actually do EMP protection on electrical systems and making it about a hundred times more robust and faster. So we're now able to protect operational vehicles and entire homes to include the equipment connected to the electrical system from the effects of an EMP. So is this a glorified surge protector? So it is a surge protector, but it's, it's like a surge protector on steroids that meets the EMP requirements. And EMP requirements being uh, military standards 1851, 461 Gulf, 464 Charlie. This has actually been tested by Keystone Compliance, which is a military certified testing facility. Also been tested by William Berdasky, who is on the EMP commission for the United States. Okay. I, I have a hard time even just getting my head around how it would work, because in my mind, an EMP is such an instantaneous event. So it is. So the E1 from an EMP is actually five nanoseconds. It, it's peaking at a roughly five nanoseconds. So what that means is this device is operating very, very fast. In fact, it begins, it's, it reacts in less than a nanosecond to begin pulling the energy from the electrical system. Okay. So it sort of depletes your electricity from the system in order to protect it, it from a It has a clamping voltage and it's, that it's monitoring for constantly. Okay. And, and when it sees any electrical surge um, that exceeds that clamping voltage, it immediately starts shunting that to ground. Okay. And drawing so you, it out and sucking it So you it have out. to have this grounded somewhere. Correct. Typically, yes. So say, I just, I'm, again, trying to understand Unless the mechanics. Model, if it's a vehicle model, right. it's right. going to cyclically dissipate so between your battery and frame. What we're looking at is the potential or differential between yes. different lines. And yes. when there is a potential, when there is potential, which means a difference between the lines, it is either shunting between the lines or to ground whatever is fastest and, and most efficient. So an EMP causes damage by overloading an electrical system, yes, right? Correct. So you're just giving it a place to go. Exactly. Correct. We're giving correct. it a relief valve, basically. I see. you got to put things in like simple, simple understand. terms for a guy so like me. Like for electricity, yeah. that's really what this is. It's like a relief valve yeah. in a water pressure system. Like on a yes. pressure canner, yes. that pet cock that when, it, when the is. pressure builds, it releases. Yes. Right. Okay. This is the world's first for EMP protection. Wow. 
So I heard you saying, like, obviously you can use it in your car, uh, but you could also, like, protect your entire house with it? Yeah, you bet. Your, your business, your house, your machines, your um, your tractors, your UTVs, you name it. Your skid steers. The equipment that people need to keep working. Anything with an electrical system from 12 volt on up to... Now, there is different models. There's 50-plus models. Yeah. So each model is very voltage-specific and designed yes. for the platform. So we have 12-volt mobile platforms. We have 12240s, three phases. We have okay. PC for solar systems. Radio, end connectors, right. S connectors. We can do your comms units. So that's for like a ham radio operation. Yep, so this is a yep, just typical end connector type. So what would you say to somebody who would say, like, eh, what are the chances? Sure. Well, a couple different things. Number one, this doesn't just protect against EMP. This protects against overvoltage and lightning. So okay. we protected thousands of homes. I mean, I've heard of people whose, whose houses right. got struck so, and yep. everything got yep. fried. And vehicles. We had a vehicle two weeks ago uh -huh. take a direct lightning strike. Wow. Continue to operate. With one of your With, the, with yes. the vehicle models. Too so cool. So yes. here's the thing about EMP Shield is we, we're the only... We're the only game in town that not only guarantees lightning protection, but it's backed by a $25,000 insurance policy. That guarantees lightning protection. That's a good sale. If it doesn't do it, we will pay the cost of the damage. And it kicks in before your homeowner's insurance. You don't even have to pay your deductible. It's standalone insurance policy. So what does something like this run you? It's about 389 That's really not as much as I would have thought. Right. With SOE's code, I think you can get them for about 340 out the door, 339 Okay. And some of the proceeds go back to John to help operate the here, so. Too cool, man. Yeah, well, I've, I've, these are 100% American-made. We okay. have two manufacturing facilities in Burlington, Kansas. We're about to start our third. Yeah. Uh, we're at over 100,000 square feet with the third facility, so we're, we're wow. a very up-and-coming, very fast-growing company. Yes. No kidding. We're no veteran-owned, um, and we're very proud of everything we're doing. So. Well, you know, I drive a 90 Toyota pickup, 4x4. Mm -hmm. four four. You need one of these. And right I'm thinking, because it's still got a computer, even though yes. it's a 90. You, yeah. know? you have an ECM, you have electronic fuel management. Yep. Yeah. I'm thinking a, an old carbureted truck might be in my future too, though. It is. I'm interested in like gasifiers right. and all that shit. Oh yeah. And, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought it until maybe recently, but like there's some benefits to a carbureter. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have both, just in case. Just yeah. in case. Just in case. I've got an old carbureted motorcycle. That's my like EMP. Get you know get the fuck out of Dodge. Right. You know. Yep. Well, too cool, man. I'm you know it, it, I'm good. Or I'm glad to know that there's people like. Solving this issue, absolutely. You know, it'll only take one solar flare or one game over. Right. Thanks for playing. Yeah, yep. man. And I heard somebody say something about like, yeah, they're gonna start looking at you. That was you. They're gonna look at you like a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the only one in town with a working vehicle, you, I, I don't know. I guess that's maybe part of your planning. You got to realize that people are gonna try to take that shit from you. Right. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. One, one of us is gonna get hurt. Yeah, I heard it you say. It ain't gonna that. be me. It ain't gonna be me. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, y'all. Really. Do. Yeah, yeah, I'm Patrick yeah. with the uh, EMP Shields. Patrick, uh, my friends call me Data. This is Data, Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. And do you have a nickname or? Uh, they call me 86. Yep. 86, right 86. on. Yeah. Mike the Polymath. Mike Easy the Polymath. Yeah. Easy peasy yeah. channel. We'll look right. you up, man. Cool. One word, no space. Easy peasy. One awesome, word, no brother. space. Right. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, yeah. man. It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it again? What was your name? Mike. Mike. Yes, sir. Mike with Easy Peasy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Easy peasy. All right. Well, I hope you sell some product. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, man. If I had my 220 element in, I'd be running right now. Is that like a neon light transformer, or am I? No, it's a it's basically what it is. It's a, It's made for like um, like originally it came out like people would do variable fan speeds. That's basically what this is. So variable voltage. It's like a voltage regulator. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like right now I'm pushing 10.4 amps to that. Um, do you mind if I 
Get some audio. So you're doing biofuel in no, essence, or what are we? Shine, basically. Shine, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But in legalistic terms, uh, yeah, fuel, you're you're fuel. you're you're a fuel manufacturer. Yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If the state of Tennessee came out here right now, I'd hand them a fuel permit. And you, I would. You do have a permit? Yeah. Okay. It's actually free if you produce less. Than, if you produce less than a thousand gallons a year, it's free. Yeah. But the ATF knows about it, so like they'll be able to come look at your house when they want to. So it all depends. Like, you want the ATF to know that you're making shit, or you want to just do it on the radar? It's up to you. The thing of it is, if you are going to have a fuel permit, do not have anything drinkable at your house. Okay? Nothing drinkable. It has to be, everything has to be 100. Uh, now, ATF and ATF and State of Tennessee considers 180 proof or higher not drinkable. Okay, but it cannot be flavored, cannot be anything. It has to be straight, pure alcohol, and it cannot any. So 180 proof or higher, they consider it not drinkable, and I wouldn't want to drink it anyway. But you can't have anything lower than 180 at your house, or you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Your dog will probably be deceased the next day because ATS going to shoot them in the face. Shoot them, yeah. They okay. like shooting dogs. Okay, but I mean, other than that, like. If you can, I mean, as long as you're not selling it, pretty much, people don't give a fuck. Like, say Tennessee don't care. Like, when you start taking money out of the pocket, that's when I care. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, the now that, but like I said, as a, and technically you're supposed to denature, right? So, the easiest way to denature is to go get you some wood alcohol from Lowe's, the wood Nephelia, whatever. You just put a couple of drops in it. You can't drink it, you'll die. Don't drink it. But you're supposed to denature it, technically. So... Well, I mean, it's free. Just fill it out. You fill out your application, send it in, they'll send you your permit. So, if you produce more than a thousand gallons a year, I think it's like fifteen bucks. And then you go any more, it's, it's actually called a, it's a alcohol fuel permit. ATF State of Tennessee offers it. ATF does all the paperwork for it. <clears throat> but that's what allows it to, if you wanted to legally do it. So how often have, have they showed up at your never. place? Never. But the one time they do, they, they never push up. They don't care. They just want you to jump through hoops. It's like a, you want to buy a suppressor, you have to jump through hoops to get it. Get on record. Yeah. We know who you are. They don't care. Like and like I said, but if you start, I mean, you start selling it to people, and like I mean, I mean, you start taking money out of people's pocket, they want to come after. Yeah. It's well, all that's their primary weapon. It's all about know? the money. Yeah, it's all about the money. Yeah. That's why, like, you'll see, like, on my TikTok channel, right? Like, I do that shit all the time, but, like, they don't come after it. Like, I video it. Like, give, tell, they don't care because I'm not selling it on TikTok, so they're not going to come. They don't care. Yeah. You're not selling it at all, wink, wink, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a really clean-looking system for, well, like... It's, it's stainless steel, so it's pretty yeah. easy. Like, it's, it's... You wash it out, you wash it out, throw some sanitizer in it, let it set for five minutes, wash it out again, you're good to go. I worked at a distillery for a while, and, like, all your fittings... I mean, this, this is professional-grade equipment, Yeah. Um, but it's... I mean, anybody could do this in a closet, the yeah. way you have it set up. Yeah. And, like, I've got Does a... I've got a all fit. have to be stainless steel? Yeah. I mean, if you're not really, if you're gonna run it this way, it's gotta be stainless steel. But like, I mean, you can do copper. You, if you, they actually make. Like, I have a buddy of mine's got. They actually make two in two inch. So this is a, a tri clamp, right? They make two inch tri clamp fittings of copper. They solder them. Like, I got a buddy of mine who owns a steel company. It's called North Georgia Steel Company, up in Georgia, and he's pricey as shit, but he makes the best stuff in the world, and it's all copper, 100% copper. And he'll do the side clip. But like, if you want, like, you don't ever want to boiling like you know the old kegs that are made the old old kegs made of aluminum you don't want to that stuff you don't want to drink anything that's aluminum lead anything like that so copper or stainless steel is what you want 
stainless steels, but you need to have copper in your steel, right? So like, if you guys were taught writing everything down to make it your, to make yourself steel, right? If you're gonna drink it, you want copper in your steel. Like, there's there's copper. There's seven half inch copper pipes in here. It not only is it an extra distillation, it pulls the sulfites out of the alcohol. So sulfites, yeah, coppers pull sulfites out. So that's why if you ran straight stainless, some people make run straight stainless steel setups, and it tastes like ass. Mm. So there's just straight pipes, kind of. So basically what I did is I took a, I went to, so I went to Lowe's and got some half inch copper pipe, right? Measured it. I got a 10 foot stick, cut it in section and then put it together and it slides right in. So there's seven. Yeah, it's a circle. I, if I, usually I would have, if I didn't have this and I didn't have to have it all perfectly, I'd have that glass, that glass sitting right there so you can see down. It's just a, a big little circle. You've got like a copper steel wool coming out of the tip of your drip there right yeah yeah so that's the, just direct, more surface area yeah, yeah. it's direct so like right now that, that's just condensation dripping there's nothing even bubbling up well, pretty cool that, man is that enough copper in there to, to, to pull the sulfides off of it yeah i mean if you just wanted to run this yeah then that's enough and then i've got some copper i've got some copper mesh that runs all the way up there to gotcha. kind of direct just the more flow. surface area more surface area. so i'm curious i'm going to go join the crowd over here but uh what's your TikTok? tennessee underscore Texan underscore shiner. Alright, cool right. man. Do you do YouTube or anything else? No, I, I used to do YouTube. Yeah. It just it's TikTok is so much easier. I don't have to edit it and the bullshit. And sure. I've got I started it I started my YouTube probably three years ago and had like a thousand followers. I started TikTok four months ago, I've got thirty thousand followers. Wow, wow. So like it's it's like they because they don't throw you back. Like YouTube throws you back. But yeah like, I don't sell it but it's uh-huh. 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 Wink, wink. I got you. I might, I might, I might not buy some. <laughs> hey, appreciate your time, man. No problem. Yeah. Additive manufacturing. Very, very cool. I, uh, I'm a toy designer by trade. So I make, so I make toy guns. Uh, these are knickknacks. Sometimes I print naked lady statues. Uh, I printed a bunch of cocks. The cocks are for sale. The lady has a price. I mean, we all do, but... Um, <laughs> I haven't decided what it is yet. We also have a hidden container. Yeah, I, I, I just hit the record button. Now. A perfect time to tune in. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I didn't catch it, but I liked what you said about the correlation between 3D printing and crypto mining. Yeah, so they're both just uh, they're both vehicles to convert electricity into money. Like crypto solves problems, makes digital money. You can convert digital money into fiat or goods and services. Uh, 3D printers. The whole goal is to buy a machine and use it to solve problems or make things that you can then get a return on your investment. Like if you buy the machine as a gimmick and all you want to do is print, you know, baby Yodas and Groots, then like more power to you. Lots of people very happy with that. But uh, you know, to me they, they have to have a break-even point and I like for them to pay for themselves within a couple of weeks. And so I use them to print parts for my business and uh, you know there's there's virtually any hobby, any niche has a way that you can convert print hours into money. So uh, so that's what we do. We make toy parts, toy components. We solve problems, knickknacks, stuff like that. Well, it's funny that smell of kind of like melting plastic. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm I'm a gardener, landscaper, right. and I, I used to despise the smell of mulch because I correlated it with spreading mulch for my pots. Right. right exactly. And not getting doing paid work. Nothing, doing mm-hmm. work. But then I started doing it for a living, and now this now it smells like it money. Smells like <laughs> money. It smells like money, and I figure the smell of burning plastic might smell like money to you. So you know? before you showed up, it's it's more the sound. So I I, uh, yeah. I got seventy of these in my house, okay. and when my uh, when my partner started sleeping over, first night she's like, I can't sleep. I just it's all I can <laughs> no, hear. Stop. Turn it's, it off. Is those things? Can you turn them off? And I'm like, no. She's like, why? 
I'm like, cause uh, that's non-negotiable. That's, cause that's, <laughs> because that's how you get. I'm like, that's like, the sound of employees you know? getting paid. That's yeah. the sound of orders. If you want to go out on Friday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his, party, his partner is my twin sister, so I like, see. I see. Uh, yeah. yeah. I explained Obviously it. Obviously, it worked well because you got pulled in too. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I don't know. I've now have. A she likes me, okay? So. <laughs> that's the best way to do exactly. It. So you said you print parts for your business. What's your business? So I, uh, I have. An online business where I sell like parts for toys, we call it Foam Pro Shop, but the primary thing that I do is I run a consulting business where I design products for other toy companies. So I'll design prototypes, mechanisms, patentable products, and then we'll send those prototypes off to companies and they'll like draft them for injection molding in China and take them into production like that. So a few licensing deals, uh, a few things we'll just sell outright, but you know, the printers are a huge part of that because what you used to have to do is you'd have to sit down with wax and a knife and sculpt and fit. Right. Then you get a bar of soap and sculpt and fit and you hope that it didn't melt on the way or something to that effect. Now, uh, if I can get it dimensionally accurate on a machine half the time, I don't even have to mail them a physical product. I send them the file and I'm like, here's your STL. They print it. You print it. Yeah. If it's what you want and you're happy with it, then you pay me for the step file. Wow. And so you can have the, the actual blueprint digital copy. Um, That's super cool. <laughs> The future well, thanks is for now. asking about it. The future is now, for sure. Morning. Morning. So, how far are they from the liquid metal they keep talking So, metal printing is a thing already. I, uh, I do a thing. Metal printing is obviously more expensive. It's more complicated. Uh, my most expensive machine is called a Fuse One. It's a $25,000 machine. And what it does is it takes nylon 12 powder heats it up to just under its fusion point, hence the fuse, and then it uses a laser to solidify them in a brick of powder. So when you take out the brick of powder, the powder falls off and anything that was solidified is solid. So the part that isn't necessarily clear on these is that there's support material. It's a hot glue gun that goes up, so if there's an overhang, something's got to go underneath. With the fuse, that doesn't happen. Uh, the powder represents the matrix oh, that's right. printed. The way I, in my vision, I see this as the prototype, and then I see a C for us. There, I can see how you get there, and a lot of people do that, but there's such different processes because 3D printing right now is exclusively additive, and CNC is predominantly reductive. Right. So you use it for dimensional accuracy, you get the model plugged in, and then you start reversing the G-code to be like, all right, I start with a billet, right. I want these... Right. cuts, these facets, these things. I've done some CNC, but they're very different. And also machinists and engineers are natural enemies. Yeah. So yeah. it takes a long time to get to yeah. that point of respect where they're like, you can touch my dogs. Um, yeah. yeah, you gotta buy me dinner first. Though. Exactly, <laughs> usually they want you to butter them up, yeah. grease them, make sure that everything's properly exactly. lubricated. Well, what, do you sell anything online? Do you have a store that I could direct my listeners to? Or? So if you want to buy toys, toys are at foamproshop.com. If you want to follow me on the internet, it's at Lord Drac on most platforms. Okay. Uh, if you want to buy a John Willis combat cock, they're here today only. <laughs> I made a few of those. Um, to be clear, we're not talking dildos, we're talking little chickens. These are uh, tiny roosters that <laughs> hide things inside. If Ooh. I can open it. Oh, a little coin per se. Yeah, these ones hide money, those ones hide fun. They don't. They have nothing inside. They're just. But just they weird. could hide something. You could. I see. Yeah. I have fun and things like that. The cool thing about hide. 3D printing yeah. is you could always, you know, you could change the file, put a divot in there. Yeah. Same thing. These guys are held together with magnets. The blaster's held together with standard off the shelf hardware. Uh, this one's actually Imperial. Half the time we use metric, but uh, it's, uh, it's remarkable. Once you start designing for 3D printing, you start thinking about things differently. It becomes way, way, way cheaper to get from idea to end goal.
Very good. No idea how to design Tinkercad. Tinkercad is free. It's got tutorials. It's all cloud-based. Costs you nothing to mess up. Uh, Tinkercad is a really good way to like start making simple shapes because that's what it does is you mesh shapes together and like it's the same thing that John does when he hires new people he's like ah you're gonna be cutting shapes welcome to first grade triangles squares etc and then we're gonna put the shapes together uh, that's I mean a perfect example is like the design language for these guys is take four triangles put the triangles together make the triangle solid now start taking rectangles out now draw things cut those in etc and then you print them as different pieces so you get different colors uh, and so forth so designing complicated things is really just designing a bunch of little simple things uh, obviously more organic forms get a little more complicated but you know I mean this is two rectangles add bevels add the mesh points start putting holes where you know that holes need to be for specific hardware that you already own and so like once you've done a you know a 32 screw you know what that hole needs to be so that it taps with the plastic and you're like all right that's the hole that I use anytime so you have an empty cylinder which is just a shape that doesn't exist and you start putting that into your other shape so Tinkercad is a really good place to start uh, Fusion 360 has student licenses that one's a very robust very powerful piece of software and then I wouldn't touch SolidWorks if people didn't pay me to do it. So, um, same thing. Like anything free where you can reduce your cost of acquiring knowledge is a-okay. I like Tinkercad because it's on the cloud. Um, I'm not as familiar with FreeCAD. So this blaster. Yeah, yeah. I made this for what's John it, a while ago. What's it fire? It fires half-length Nerf darts, okay. about 225 FPS. Um, <laughs> so you know you got hit. You could poke an eye out. Yeah. We intentionally wear eye protection at our events. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 That's badass, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for checking it out. Easy peasy podcast. If y'all care to listen. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm so going to find my episode, man. Yeah. There you go. It's a beautiful smile, too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a dentist. Yeah. Oh, don't even, I haven't been in years. All right. Well, I won't tell him. Um, hey, appreciate it, though, man. Yep, yep. Keep it up. Yeah, we're thinking about going like this way. We got a guy down the road. That's a good. So we used to pay 55. Our, our yeah. going rate, like I'd be happy with 85 right now. Really? And then watch when they say food grade. A lot of food grade shit will still kill you. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. We got the last ones. I think we got. We filled up the big goose bank. I think we got 20 of them. Okay. It was um, mineral spirits or mineral oil. Oh, yeah. So I mean, we were able to wash it out. We. Yeah. Well, you still got. I, I think this it. is. I think this is three of them. I like to get them from. Um, if they say Kellogg's or the cereal yeah. places, I like to get the ones that had molasses in them. Yeah, exactly. We had soy sauce, which was a little oily. You, could, yeah, you would always taste it in water. Flavor. Like the smoke. Liquid but it didn't smoke. kill nothing. It stays there forever. Yeah. Yeah, we got a couple with that liquid smoke. I hope you don't mind. I'm catching a little not audio all, here. So all. we're talking IBC totes, right? IBC totes. Yeah. So I've bought some food grade ones that had agave syrup. I figured that was pretty safe. Yeah, yeah, you uh, would think. Is it not? I think it is. Okay, you I said you would is. think like maybe it ain't. But I mean, you'll taste it probably, right? Is yeah. it oily? What's it, up, Dave? Well, it's sweet. It's sweet. Um, but so what do you want to avoid specifically, do you know? Like, Anything that'll kill you. Would you lick it with your tongue? That's probably a pretty good, yeah, exactly. a good <laughs> test. That's probably okay. a pretty good test. Well, so I picked up a small jug that I'm going to use as a camping water, a you know, five-gallon jug, whatever. And it had some 
flavoring in it that's pretty potent, and I've been rinsing it and right. you know, letting yeah, it leach right. out and trying get to get you that like flavor some, out. Uh, get you like some sour apple aminos or some watermelon aminos. Okay. Just leave that shit in there. And yeah. It'll taste like that. Okay, that's better yeah. than what it tastes <laughs> like currently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or throw yeah. some coffee. So you're John, yeah? I'm John. Mike. Mike nice the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. Awesome, man. I'm super glad to be here. Thanks for hosting. Yeah. Uh, this is awesome. Well, we'll sit down in a, in a little while I would love and we'll to. shoot something. I would love to. And then we'll tell people about your stuff. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. Where well, are you from? Indianapolis. Right on. Yep. Cool. So the thing, like, can you clean them? Yes, you can. Uh-huh. If you're honest with yourself, how long does it take to clean them? And what what could you, how much money could you make with the time not cleaning them, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and will you execute that, right? So Would I paid 100, 100 a pop for the ones that Clean? I've been buying, cleaned, yeah, and, see? and agave syrup. And it's like that, if I, if like I don't the, have to spend five hours cleaning it out, that's yeah, probably oh, worth yeah. the money. I right? like the idea of 55, but then they sit, David can tell you, they'll sit here and we'll have piles of that shit just sitting there rotting away. Yeah, so, getting all stinky. Yeah, yeah. So in the long run, it's, it's cheaper for me to buy those cleaner ones. Right. But I mean, you can you can get inside them and pressure, and especially if you're gonna oh, cut yeah, them like this. Yeah, right, right. If you're gonna cut them, you can wash them out real well. Just a little bit of Dawn dish soap on Adobe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd probably appreciate this. My my biggest act of ag- agorism is living in a commercial zoned workshop, right? Yeah. Uh, Five hundred bucks a month, yeah. cheap as hell, yeah. and it serves my business, it serves my podcast, and it serves me. The one thing I didn't have was a shower. Yep. So I took the half size IBC tote, cut the top out of it, oh, yeah. got a you know RV propane yeah. inline heater, and uh, for two hundred dollars I'm rocking and rolling. Yeah. 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 Make your own, yeah. right? We yeah. know guys. I got to like, climb up a little step stool to get in it, so it drains into my five gallon bucket. Right. But you yeah. know, hey, it, you it works. Make it works. It, it works. works. Yeah. Good That's job. cool. Good job, yeah. yeah, man. That's cool. Well, yeah, I'd love to sit down and chat at some we point. We will. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, awesome. good to meet you. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll be around. Right on. Cool. Where you guys so, so it's the Easy Peasy Podcast. Easy One word. E-A-S-Y, P-E-A-S-Y. It's right here if you need it. Easy Peasy. Easy. And y'all are Perma Pastures Farm. Okay. Yes, sir. Where are you located? Mars Hill, North Carolina. Fucking. Okay, that's, that's weird, bro, because I live in Mars Hill, Indiana. Wow. I'm not even kidding. It's like this neighbor. It's the, a neighborhood in Indianapolis, yeah. and it's rough. It's, it's rough, bro. Mars Hill is not the side of town you want to be on. My mom can beat up everybody in town, so. It ain't rough where we So live. you're from, you're from Mars Hill, I'm from Mars Hill. Yeah, what the that's fuck? Crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. But you guys you guys were doing a presentation all about like uh, using chickens to make like primo compost. What do you call it? Chicken tractors? Chicken tractor on steroids. Okay, and you've system. got yeah. you've got like a YouTube channel. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel under the same name, Permafasters Farm. If you go to the playlist section, we have a couple of chicken tractor on steroids playlists where you can like let's say you just purchased chicks. From that point to processing, that's where the playlist goes. So you can literally follow it week by week, step by step with us. You can flip compost with us if you want to, all that stuff. So you're like you're uploading stuff constantly as, you, as you're doing it. As we were doing it, yes, yeah. We've done I think three playlists on it now. I don't think we need to keep showing people the same shit <laughs> the same thing over, yeah, over, yeah, over yeah, again. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. But it sounds like we were just talking before I hit the recorder. Yeah. You you called yourself what a road scholar of permaculture. Permaculture road scholar. Because it sounds like you've done every well, we badass internship plan. that I like. Feel like I maybe okay, so should have okay. done but didn't do. Earthship also. <laughs> What's that? Earthship also. Oh, you were in, you built uh, yeah. some earthships. We went down to the. I did the internship and then the academy as well. Bro, okay, so this community is so fucking small. I I know a guy who claims to be the one who solved the earthship problem. He says he was there in like. New Mexico, yeah. 
when they were first trying to figure this shit out. And um, you know, so on my show, little side tangent, I talk about what it means to be a polymath, okay? A problem solver, a jack of all trades, somebody that uses multiple knowledge bases and skill sets to solve complex problems. And this guy, uh, his name's Joe Tuminello, East Coast as hell, like you don't mess with Joe. But he says he was out in, he was in New Mexico, uh, He's not, he, like, he's very straight-laced, whatever. He's not a hippie, but he yeah. apparently had his hippie well, days. Yeah. And he says they were trying to figure out this earth ship thing, and they were filling the tires up with earth, mm -hmm. and they were stacking them, but then you'd get to a certain point, the whole thing would collapse. And he said, well, why don't we ram the earth with, like, a fucking sledgehammer? So is that still the method? Like, That's still the method. Packing the tires with the sledgehammer. Yep. He claims that he was the guy that, like, Invented that, 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 that like solved that problem, yeah. right? And it's so simple. He's like, why aren't we just compacting it? Michael right? Reynolds ain't giving him credit. <laughs> and maybe he's full of shit, but he he knew the word Earthship, and this is a guy that's like, yo, know, by all accounts, strictly down the line Republican, like not a not a permaculture person, but he was just in the place at the time when this was like developed. And I guess my only point is to say that like sometimes it takes one person to throw that one little like bit of wisdom in to change how you think about things and I was hearing y'all talking about your system with chickens and compost and I'm really trying to so I, I build backyard vegetable gardens compost is my number one like used resource you know that that and cedar lumber and I currently have to source all of this stuff but eventually I want to have my own lumber mill and I want to have my own compost operation and if you can raise free chickens while you're producing compost that's I mean talk about fucking function stack yeah and like that's it's i would i just got really fired up listening to you guys so i want to say like right on that you're you're some people i'm like a generalist right yeah. it seems like you guys are specialists in some ways like you really well, as a permaculture in, designer you kind of have to be a generalist you have to be a generalist but when it comes to this particular system you guys really dove into it right right yeah, yeah. and i'm i'm excited to try the problem is i don't have any land yet but We'll get there. We'll get there. But we have a video that just came out last week, um, and it's literally the quote: "I don't have room to farm." Uh -huh. Watch that video. Yeah, quit making excuses, right? <laughs> no, you can you can farm other people's. Well, that's it, and I yeah. do have the opportunity to do that. It's yeah. kind of. It's like I'm just I'm just being a pussy about it. You don't have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Uh, but you know, I guess I guess I don't know what else to ask you except just that like you said. So you studied under Jeff Lawton. Yep. You studied under Joel Salatin. Yeah. You did the Earthship thing. Like yeah. That's like you are. It sounds like you are a scholar of permaculture. I'm like. It's my passion. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And uh, like I said, partly I'm jealous because I wish I had I had gone that route at times. Yeah. But I, I, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just learn from you vicariously through your YouTube. You know what I mean? Like you've already done the work. I can just yeah. fucking pick up the pieces. That's what the YouTube's for. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate I appreciate your time. Uh, no problem. Hopefully, we'll you know we'll hang out a little bit later yeah. or whatever. But yeah, yeah, man. Appreciate it. What was your name again? William. William. Mike. Yeah. Good to meet you, man. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right, well, check it out. Easy peasy podcast. Sounds good. I will. I wrote it down. Right on, right on. I got a list of things to check out. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll keep growing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it will. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem at all. I try not to overdo this. No, no, that's okay. So you said you lost $1.2 million over a baseball hat. I'm curious how that Exactly. Happened. So this this hat, it says Freeman on it. Yeah. And on the, on the back, it's got a little light bulb. So I 
was a, a civilian employee for the DOD. And I worked, worked uh, supporting uniformed service members for the Missouri National Guard. And I saw in 2020, I knew that the mandate was coming down. You could, working for the government, you could see it coming. Uh, long before they announced it publicly and all that stuff. And finally, it got to the point where I saw it was become official and I went, went to my wife and I said, I, I can't do it. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, was, I was in the Marine Corps, 10 years in the Marine Corps, and I was one of the ones that took the, the anthrax vaccination back then. And I, I can't prove it, but my son was born before that and he was healthy. My daughter was born after that and she had childhood lupus. And I, one of the other side effects that they found out from, from that shot was severe depression. And looking back on it, I had an undiagnosed case of depression for about four years. Well, anyway, so we, did, we decided, well, we had to figure out what we were going to do. We had to get out before we were forced to do it. Um, so we decided that we were going to sell our house and become debt-free, and then we would deal with it whenever they made it mandatory. And so we sold a $500,000 piece of property. It was a working homestead. We bought it for 182, and we spent 10 years building the infrastructure and investing in it and and making it making it a functional homestead, a productive space. Productive, exactly. And we sold it for way less than than what it was worth. Um, the only upside of that portion of the story is we sold it to a pair of young kids that were just getting a homestead, so they got a turnkey homestead, livestock and all. We sold them. To all they have to do is not fuck it up. Exactly. Yeah. And and my wife was talking to them just last week, and they have expanded. They're, they've got cattle on it now, and we're actually going to go out there and, and show them some some other stuff on the property so they can take it even further. So that you know, there's there's a positive there in this story. Well, anyway. I gave up a very lucrative DOD job. I gave up all my pension time, uh, you know, the time working towards my pension, and all the lost profit that we could have got off the homestead from the from the livestock and all that. So we were we sold our house and we were sitting at a friend's house and we were talking, and he he looked at me and he was smiling. He goes, "How do you free? How do you feel, man? How do you feel?" And I looked at him and I was like, "I feel like a free man." And he's like, cool. So about about four weeks later, uh, we're, we're sitting there at his house again. And he goes, hold on a second, I got something for you. And he goes in the other room and he comes back and he gives me this hat. And this hat says Freeman. Yeah. And he says, this is what we are. Because he lives he lives off, off grid, completely off grid. He built his own house, 4,000 square foot house. He's got solar, water, everything. He, there, there's nothing touching the grid with him. And so he's got no debts and everything. So he... He has got these hats, and he's giving these hats to anybody that manages to get free from the system. And he's got a, can I, can I say his podcast, or his, his YouTube sure, channel? please. So he's got a YouTube channel. His name is Tag, okay. and he's got a YouTube channel called Life Done Free. And he, the whole purpose of, of, we're in a homestead circle together, and the whole, our whole purpose is to build community. Sort of a mutual aid group, right? No, not even beyond that. It's okay. we're, we are we're, we're building a community, and we sure. we are trying to move people into the community that are like into the area that sort are of like, like the holler neighbors. Exactly, okay. exactly like what Nicole's trying to do. Sure, and we're, we're trying to do that, and and we're building. A, we've got our a circle. We're building our circle. Now, Bobby over there and the EMP thing. Mm -hmm. He's with y'all. No, he's got his own circle. 
but okay. he's he's close by and, and we've all known each other for years i mean just running in the same circles and stuff, you know right. going to the same events and doing all this stuff. but we'd never done anything socially with them you know except if we were at an event like this or mm-hmm. a camp out or something so we decided we're going to get together and we're going to we're going to meet everybody and so we so now we've got this circle over here that's homesteading and, and doing the self-sufficiency thing and we got our circle that's doing the self-sufficiency thing y'all ought to meet up and play softball or something well we had a big we had a big pig roast there you go we had a big pig roast and yeah. we got to meet people and so like somebody in our our circle has an arborist in the family but he's busy working Bobby's got somebody in his group that's an arborist so now we've got somebody to come look at a big cottonwood tree that's getting ready to fall over. Mm-hmm. so and that's that's what we're trying to promote. We're trying to promote community. You need to look, act local, think local, act local. Yeah, fuck global. Exactly. Yep. You can't well, you can't change the globe. You can change your town though. Exactly. As I've told a couple of people, you know, and this is I'm going to put put my crazy prepper hat on for you for a second. There's going to come a time when we have to ignore Washington D.C. They're 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 tone deaf to us. They don't listen to us now. And there's going to come a point where we have to ignore that. Outrightly defy them, even. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that's where it's going. It's inevitable. Right. But, but what's, the, what's the solution? What, that's a problem, so what's the solution? The solution is we build our circles, and we get, we, we get, instead of standing alone when that happens, we've got people standing shoulder to shoulder. With us. Right, right. And, and if, if our circles standing shoulder to shoulder, and the other circle standing shoulder to shoulder, and we stand together, then we can make it happen at a local level. Get involved, your local, if you've got children, get involved in the school boards, mm-hmm. get involved in local politics, support the local law enforcement officers that are still doing a good job. You know, as long as they're supporting us, we should support oh, them is, is what I think. Sure. I know that's not popular in this, this crowd. Well, that's, you know, in, in, in essence, that's a whole other conversation. It exactly but, is. It uh, exactly is. But I, I respect the sentiment right. that you're getting at. Well, I, I agree. I'm I, biased. I'm biased. My son is law enforcement. Sure, sure. He's also, he also, tricky, tricky, tricky job. He also works for a department that's very constitutional minded. Good. Very, good. very rare. I think it very much comes down to the the. the the precinct people. or the or the the whatever right. some sheriff's offices are terrible some are good right you know, exactly. any any police department should be judged for itself but but that besides the point i'm curious to sort of see how so you said your 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 friend made you this hat mm-hmm. and did you wear it to work is yep, that it? I wore, and, and I wore. you got and you got reprimanded nope. i mean nope not at all not at all people are kind of curious from time to time but uh not, in fact, I'm, I was, I'm kind of shocked that more people don't ask me about it. I think there's that. So how did it cost you $1.2 million? That's my question. I gave up, I gave up a government job that okay. was paying very well. I, really, I, I had eight years to retirement, so I gave up all that money. That was lost, lost profit. I gave up. I was eight years away from a pension. That government, government pensions are really good. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. very good. That's how they get you. And I gave up. I gave up all the potential profit from that. I gave up all the potential profit from the homestead that we had. We were we were right on the cusp of me being able to quit my job. So it's not as if the hat itself lost you the money, but the principle of the hat. The principle behind the principle behind Freeman cost me 1.2 million dollars. And you know what? It was money well yeah. spent. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. No Tell me your name again. I'm Garen. Garen? Everybody calls me Grumpy G. Grumpy G. Yeah. All right, Mike. Good to Mike. meet you. Yeah. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Worth it. All right, man. Tell us your name again. I am Ethan. Ethan. Yes. 
I said I was going to commit that, and then I didn't. <laughs> you, you, you forgave me in advance, which is cool. But you were asking about my shirt. You said you like the, the tagline on it. It says, the government is a myth. I said, do you know who that is? It's Lysander Spooner, who is this cat who single-handedly proved that the post office was a ripoff okay. back in the late 1800s. He went into direct competition, proved that he could deliver mail at 20% of the cost okay. as to what postage was costing and they made it illegal nice. you know yep. classic of shit course. man of course classic shit yeah so ethan you work here yeah i work for john at soe yeah, yeah. how do you like your job i love my job yeah so it sounds like y'all have a hard time finding good people though um i can't speak to that too much okay. it, it definitely seems that way from uh what i hear the people you can't they they have a hard time hiring locals. I see because okay. the culture in this town is um, a, a poverty mindset welfare culture. Because well, it sounds like a people great people unwilling to work. It sounds like a great place to work. Like somebody said, like John pays y'all like for workout this, time and like he's paying you to be at this festival. Right, and, right. Yeah. Um, working here for John at SOE is great. But the town itself, there, there's, there is no work here. Yeah. It's fast food and Walmart and gas station. Gas station. And That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually like, you know, six months in, quit, try and get the welfare check or the, you know, uh, unemployment check, and then yeah. go find another job for six months just to get the unemployment check and yeah. stuff like that. Playing that game. Yeah. It's too bad because like. In a town like this where there's not a whole lot of opportunities, you would think that people would, like, clamor to work in right. a place like this, yeah. right? I right. Mean, I don't know. It's those kinda... people have never, is my opinion, um, those people have never had somebody demand something, like, demand hard work from them. Yeah. Um, and which is what John does, you know? Like, if you perform at, you know, if you perform at 60 miles an hour and then you come in someday and you work at 50 miles an hour john's gonna be like you worked at 60 miles an hour yesterday i know you can do it why the fuck aren't you doing it today yeah. i expect more from you yeah you know because you've already shown me that you can do more and john's the kind of guy that's like you know doesn't sleep sleeps very little all, always all, working always working always is in more pain than you are in and he won't ever say it well that's 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 but, a good boss who but leads yet, by example, yeah, right? Of course, who doesn't of course. leave you in the trenches on yeah, your own, but absolutely. is in the trenches with you. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, that's the kind of boss I want to be, you know? Of course. I, I don't have any employees yet. It actually terrifies me. I've, yeah. I've brought in some people, and I've had trouble because, like, the work that I expect from people is not terribly complicated. Um, it requires a certain amount of focus, though, and mm -hmm. a certain amount of just getting it done and moving, right. moving, moving, right? right? I imagine it's similar here. It's not like you guys are, you know, rocket scientists, but there's a certain degree of, like, precision in, in the mm. work that you do. Very it's literally arts and crafts, man. Sure, like, sure. drawing and cutting, drawing yeah. and cutting. And sewing and stitching. and Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it, it is not complicated. Um, but it doesn't make it easy, necessarily. It's not... I would say it's easy. The, ho the hardest part is like doing it over and over you know sure. so i imagine some people think it's boring 
I, you know, like the same line, the same scissors, the same cuts, day in, day out. You know, and uh, there there are only a few sewers, um, and they sew, and they're you know doing what they do. Um, so everybody's got their thing, and yeah. you know the product changes, but the baseline concept is the same. Like if you're sewing, you're sewing. If you're, I'm I clean, so like when the product is done sewing, being sewn, or like stages of it being sewn, um, they'll come and. Uh, give it to me I'll clip the long threads short and then melt the short threads flat okay and then you know it gets put onto the shelf or shipped out to the things but yeah that's about it well I literally last night was staying with a buddy I might have mentioned this to you I can't remember but uh, he works for a company called Nashville Packs I think it was um, you haven't said it so they they make ultralight backpacking okay um, so very basic designs. Mm-hmm. It's basically just a dry bag with yep. some straps on it, yep. but very well designed, very purpose built. And uh, he's become a bit of an, you know, a, a proficient sewer in doing right. that. It's a three man show. He's kind of number three. Mm-hmm. You know, the two guys own it. He's the one helper. And I've told him, I'm like, dude, this company out in fucking Camden, it's like, if you ever need a switch, you know, change of scenery, like want to live in the country, they'd probably like be able to use you you know it sounds like y'all are are, so are you growing like it seems like how long have you been here i guess two two months is that all you've only been at this location i've moved here in april you specifically i guess i was asking the company oh um this this facility this facility i don't want to speak for john but i believe i believe soe has been in this building for six years okay and uh and in Camden for 15 at another location. I see. I didn't yeah. realize they'd been around that long. I thought mm-hmm. it was... Uh, I, I, I was like, man, they've really scaled up in a well, hurry. And that's that's only half of it. John started the business over 30 years ago in San Diego. I see. Yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. I'm really hoping to get him on the mic tomorrow. You know, I've, I've met, I put the bug in his ear already. Mm-hmm. So, But he seems like a great dude. Um, you like working for him? I love working for him, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. That's cool. Pretty. Uh, uh, I've worked several jobs, so, many, many several jobs. I've never worked in a place that is as quiet as this. Really? Yeah. During the workday, very little talking. Um, people just you, getting it yeah, done. Yeah, you hear yeah. the noise of the sewing machine, but like everybody's got their earbuds in and their head in the work. Yeah. And uh, it's mo- it's super peaceful. Yeah. Well, I've done some construction, and when you have a really good crew mm-hmm. who's just getting it done, yeah. it, you almost don't talk because right. yeah, everybody just knows what they're doing and there's a yeah. flow there's yeah. a flow and yeah the flow is great absolutely absolutely well, that's cool man uh i guess i i'm curious to ask like do you think you would have come to this festival had you not been working here or would you have I, never even heard of it i would have heard of it um, yeah so I'm, you follow i'm 28 i've been following john since i was 15 really yeah. okay cool cool um, uh, so i definitely knew that these things were happening um i would not have bought a ticket to come here to attend the event had I not been working here, um, but uh, I definitely knew it was going to be happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like I, the last couple of years, I've, I've, I, not that I've avoided these events, but it's mostly like it's always a debate because I don't have the most reliable transport, mm-hmm. and money, money's always an issue. Money would be the issue, for right? Me. And yeah. um, but this year, I just kind of like decided to make it happen by right. any means necessary because right. uh, 
this might be the toughest year to make it happen with gas prices. No doubt, no doubt. But I almost think it's the most important year to make it happen because I, you know, I think everybody here has the same sense that like we're kind of like entering a new era. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. the people here are the right people to associate with. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Society seems, uh, at least in America, more rocky than I've ever seen it. Ditto. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Which is scary. Uh-huh. Like, I'm scared because of it. Did you say you used to be in the military? I was, but um, I don't like to boast about it. Wasn't. Uh, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17, mm-hmm. and then um, was in for four years out of a six-year contract, and then got kicked out for being overweight. But that's half the story. Um, I'm sure there's a whole lot Yeah, more. the yeah. government was downsizing the military at that time, between 2013-2017. So, um, th- you know, they were finding any way and any excuse to get everybody out, mm-hmm. as, as many qualified candidates to leave the military as possible. So I got caught up in that storm. Um, but honestly, the day I got out of the Marine Corps is like one, best of, the, day. one of the best days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, my stress went from Mount Everest to like Mariana's Trench. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, and imagine you know, you learned a lot in those four years. How much you would have learned on top of that in the last two is maybe questionable. Like, I, I guess I can't say for certain. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've always been the type where when I feel like I've gotten as much as I can get out of something, I'm like ready to move on. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Um, they were ready to move me on, the sure, you know. So sure. I was definitely glad to be done with it. Yeah. That was also that's also for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I joined the military to like serve and do good and and uh, protect a country. I thought at the time was like had America's best interest in mind. And then, you know, I went to one little reserve unit for uh, four years and was told, like, clean, clean that toilet for four years, the same toilet, eight times in a day for two days, three days, four Where days. There's a whole a lot of busy work, yeah. Um, like, not, not even busy work, like... Man, busy work's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but just like... Grunt work. I don't know. No, because grunt work is like heavy lifting, actually getting a purpose done. Um, This was like petty tasks because you weren't allowed to be sitting down. I'd call that busy work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But no, I, I... Part of me wishes I had like maybe gone military just for the sake of learning some discipline and all that. Uh huh. But at the same time, I don't know if I just know if i could have dealt with it you know what i mean like just the authority i've never been very keen on that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but i respect people that went through it because i know it's not it's not a you know cakewalk by any means you know yeah yeah well man uh i got a question for you yeah go ahead okay if there were three character traits hypothetically if there were three character traits that every human on planet Earth embodied or adopted to create world peace, what would those three character traits be? I'd say try to choose words that don't um, overlap. They're not redundant. But I'd yeah. say, like, voluntarism. Okay. Respect. And 
purpose. Purpose. Okay. Sweet. Those are good answers. I haven't gotten those before. I, I think patience, compassion, and confidence. Okay. Yeah. Those are the three that I would. I think there's a lot of overlap. Say, of you know, in a like purpose is confidence. Confidence uh, is purpose. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think compassion is the voluntarism principle. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do unto others as yes. you would have done to you. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, seems like an echo. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. What was uh, the third well, one you said? Uh, patience or uh, patience, compassion, and confidence. Confidence, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good answers, I'd say. Yeah. Unfortunately, I you know I'm I'm coming to realize that there's a lot of shitty people though, and they're never gonna they're never gonna get there. You know? Right. So the best we can do, I think, is to associate with people that seem to have those. Uh, associate with people that resonate. Yeah. You yeah. know, like uh, uh, everybody that's here at this self reliance festival is on the same level of resonance in yeah. some way. Yeah. At least at a baseline, the same um, amount of resonance to be physically here. Yeah. You know, um, some some folks are like super nerds that know how to, you know, do stuff with batteries and electronics and super mechanical stuff. Some people, you know, all they know is how to tend to the land and mm-hmm. grow food for meat, you know, or grow animals for meat and crops for food. Um, but in, in a whole, you know, the resonance is being here with like-minded people you know so and and anybody that's not is dissident you know what i mean so um i don't really know where else i'm going with that no but i like the word resonance a lot and like i was at i was at a similar event in texas similar but very different it was not the workshops and the speakers it was very much just just open just open-ended you know, very uh, ambiguous, organic, uh, free-flowing. There was two hours of planned programming with okay. music and comedy. Yeah. But other than that, two and a half days of basically just a free-for-all. Yeah. And um, a whole lot more sort of drug use going on yeah, with that one than this one. Homegrown yeah. networking. Yeah, but it was um, the same vibe as far as everybody was at the same level of understanding, what you might call resonance. We all come in sort of with this understanding of we're all here for a common purpose mm-hmm. we might come from different places and different backgrounds and different knowledge you know sets uh, but we come here we resonate together and we can all improve from one another you know I I think the importance of being here in person it's cool they're doing the live streams and all that but you just don't get it through that the right. same the same way you're not getting a hundred percent of it yeah but you're getting more than zero right yeah which is you know the uh, great on the faculty and staff that are making every effort to get it to as many people as possible well, i told john you know, bush do you the, know john bush no um he's the freedom cell guy okay I've heard of freedom cells no so he was a part of this greater reset about a year and a half ago or whatever when the great reset like first kind of started and so they organized this, you know, opposition thing mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of speakers, and it was very, it was very, um, I believe it was down in Mexico, but they live streamed the whole thing. There was a lot of online discourse going on around it. It was like five days in a row of like programming, like 
speaker after speaker after yeah. speaker. And I told John Bush, I told him like, at that point, that was a pretty dark point because I, you know, I was like the only person I knew who was thinking the way I was thinking, right. refusing to take the vax and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like hearing about the greater reset and then like tuning in, I told John, I was like, even though I wasn't there in person, like that gave me a whole hell of a lot of hope. Indeed. Like I was a little bit blackpilled before y'all did that. And like, I'm real appreciative of how much work you put into getting it out there. Right. Like I'm a person who, who, you know, kind of happened upon it. Right. And it really did me some good. You know? Yeah. It's like yeah. total it's, white pill in, it's in like the darkest how, days of COVID. How much, you know? how much seed do you want to broadcast and, and plant? Right. You right. know, if, if you want to plant less seeds, don't put it online. If you want to plant more seeds and gain more eyeballs and more attention and potentially more folks to come next year, mm-hmm. yeah, put it online. You know? Right. I kind of think in terms of like, uh, like you need... So I build I build gardens, right? And part of me like was getting a little dejected because I'm like, am I really making much of a difference by just you know one little garden at a time mm-hmm. for like upper middle class white folks, generally speaking? Right. And um, like I felt like I wasn't broadcasting my seed very far. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is starting to sound sexual, but let's not even go yeah, there. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but but you know that's is part of why I started podcasting because like. I was having these really intense, really important, or like personally, like meaningful conversations. And it felt like, you know, as much good as they were doing for me, it was almost selfish to let them just float away right. into nothingness mm-hmm. afterwards. Like just the simple act of hitting the record button. It changes that the dynamic is the thing. And I, I have to be careful of how I allow it. Like last night, hanging out with a good buddy, we recorded a show, but we had to we had to dance around the fact that like this isn't exactly just chilling like normal yeah, of like, course. we're 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 performing we're yeah. doing we're doing a show yeah and um, but like but i think it's worth the extra like little bit of energy it takes cuz the potential is so much greater yeah. right but anywho man unless you got any more thoughts i think i i got uh, some more questions if yeah, you yeah go ahead go ahead go what um what are like uh, one or two or three of uh, like the professions that you've done? Okay, um, tour guiding. Okay, tour guiding. What's the best part of tour guiding? <laughs> what was your favorite part of tour guiding? Making people laugh, showing them a good time. Okay. Yeah. What did you learn from tour guiding? How to be engaging and entertaining. Okay. Yeah. What was the worst part of tour guiding? having to be entertaining and engaging you, you know okay. like even when you don't want to be yeah right uh, yeah, yeah. What, what how did you learn or what is something that you can like articulate on how to capture an audience or engage somebody in conversation uh twofold off the top of my head at least authenticity mm-hmm. is it is important yes if you feel fake they won't the, enjoy themselves the, yeah they can sniff that two they, miles they, away so you gotta be authentic and shit what was the other one um I'm trying to remember how you phrased the question fuck it's gone like a fart in the wind <laughs> I had all, another one it's but all good yeah um my we, question was how what are the things that you can articulate on how to engage in conversation okay um yeah so authenticity and I feel like 
the other one was so good, but I can't remember. Uh, it's okay. What's another <laughs> profession you've had? Uh, you know, it's I, I've had all kinds of variations of tour guiding, um, but like, say construction. Okay. okay. What's what was your favorite part about construction? Getting paid. <laughs> what was your least favorite part about construction? My boss. Okay. <laughs> what did working construction teach you? How to get shit done. Okay. Yeah. In what way? Uh, like, don't matter what the conditions are. The it, work, the task needs the to get task done. The task has to get done. There's, that was your boot camp. It was journeyman uh, kind of work where I was out of town. Okay. And, you know, we had X number of days. And right. You know, if the job ain't done, you got to stay longer. Right on. And uh, so, no, it was very like, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's fucking rock it out. Right. Yeah. So, um, I worked, I was a Lyft driver okay. for the last nine months that I lived in Austin, Texas. Okay. I did a lot of work in Austin, actually. Nice. Yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. A lot of, did, most of our work was in Texas. Did We're, you happen to eat at a tiny little bar called Casino El Camino. I can't say that I did. Okay, no. so if you ever go back to Austin on 6th Street and Red River, okay. Casino El Camino, yeah. tiny tiny little like punk metal bar, Okay. I can and they have a food window, and the, the burgers and sandwiches that come out of that place are ridiculous. Just too good, yeah. So freaking good, man. Cool, so cool, freaking cool. good. And the, the folks like... They look like our people, you know? They're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Scorpion tattoos on the face, like crop tops of fishnets and a Bowie knife, you know? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's there's kind of a, I know the type you're talking. But they yeah. throw down on the grill, man. Yeah, yeah. So I was driving Lyft, and um, how I learned to engage folks in conversation, um, like, very first, when they get in the car ask them how their day is um, and 80% of the time they'll say good uh, they'll uh, every percent of the time they're gonna tell you good or bad or sure, sure. you know and sometimes it's like oh well I'm here or I'm good or doing fine or something like that 85% of the time they'll reciprocate the question how are you doing yeah, yeah. you know and I always take that as an opportunity to say, like, to really meet them with big, big energy uh-huh. and say, like, I'm doing amazing. Uh-huh. Like, I'm doing awesome. Mm-hmm. And they can feel that. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the uh, two, two major responses I get is uh, customers, customers will say, that's great to hear. And I'll respond with, it feels great to say it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that then leads into how do you, you know, what is making your day so good that you feel <laughs> this way? Yeah. And I love that question because it's my opportunity to express to them, I wake up and I choose it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are reactionary and they believe that their mood is based upon the things that happen to them throughout their day and it certainly has an effect but you can but also you, choose at the at the end of the day you are the person that chooses to react to the things that are happening in your life mm-hmm. so if a undesirable thing is happening you can and i promote that you still choose to f- have a good day are you running out of battery? no i was just checking it yeah 
Um, and um, so that's one thing that I, I always really try and if the opportunity comes up, I really try and nail that one home. Like I motherfucking choose this. So why consciously I choose this. And the second thing is, um, it, it, more broader speaking, if you want to really engage somebody in conversation, you can have a. Con- I want to say like ninety percent of the time, you can get somebody to come out of their shell, especially if they're really not wanting to talk by asking them two questions one is a question about where they're from and two is a question about what they do sure and those lead into further questions and it really super duper helps to know something about where they're from sure you know so like for example if if somebody i've had a handful maybe like four or five people from iowa get in my car Nobody knows anything about Iowa. Uh Uh-huh. Except corn. Except for corn. And people say the same about Indiana. So, the best question to ask if somebody's from Indiana is, are you from Des Moines or are you from Sioux City? And it's important to know that Sioux City is on the very eastern border and Des Moines is in the very center of Iowa. And as soon as you say that, people will flower they will bloom they will blossom they will open up and say like oh my gosh you know something about where i'm from instant friend yeah instant connection and and then and it can only go up from there if you are really like wanting to exude good positive energy into these people and the second thing is what do you do oh i'm a doctor what kind of and then the questions roll from there what kind of doctor do you what kind of doctor are you? Are you a neurologist? Are you family medicine? What is your favorite thing? What is your least favorite thing? What can you tell me about your profession that you wish to see changed? You know, like, it, like what, what can your profession do without and what is your profession best at? You know, and that's all across the board. A really good example I call it taking souls. When souls? S-O- souls. S-O-U-L. Yeah. yeah, like taking someone's soul. When uh, when they like get in and they're really short and really like not trying to have the conversation and you ask them these questions. I had this gentleman. He was, in, he was Indian mm-hmm. from India. Right. And um, again, it helps to know kind of the geography of India and um, he was a businessman, suited up, and really trying, like, just didn't want to have a conversation with me. So, uh, you know, being slightly prejudiced based on the color of his skin and the f- structure of his face, I asked him, are you Indian or are you Pakistani? And Pakistanis, when you ask them that, they're like, this guy knows, like, yeah, this yeah. guy knows something, you know, and you can really get them to blossom. But this particular gentleman, he was Indian, and so I asked him, are you Indian or a Pakistani? And he says, I'm Indian. I said, are you from North India or South India? He said, I'm from South India. I said, so in South India, there's many cities, but two very major cities are Mysore, and the major one is Chennai. Okay. So I asked him, are you from Chennai? And, he, and that is when I took his soul. Yeah. As soon as I asked him if he's from Chennai, 
he put his phone down, turned his screen off, put his phone down, and looked at me through the rearview mirror. Made eye contact. And made eye contact yeah. with me, and I had his attention. Yeah. And after that, so North India predominantly speaks Hindi. Mm-hmm. South India predominantly speaks Tamil. So I asked him, do you speak Tamil? And he says, yes. Like, even more excited. I said, do you also speak Hindi? Yes. <laughs> and so this guy is like, went from, don't fucking talk to me, I'm on a business call, to like, let me put my phone down. You know what you're fucking talking about. So I asked him, I was like, do you speak any other languages? And he says, I speak German and Spanish. So and English, obviously. And English, right. right, right. right. So what is interesting about where that goes is if you speak four languages or less you're considered multilingual if you speak five languages or more you're a polyglot 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 so So, i promote the idea of being a polymath on my show all the time okay i don't i've heard the word but i'm not exactly sure what that is polyglot yeah so polyglot is somebody who speaks five languages or more and um as soon as i said that he like he was like all in all in on the conversation yeah yeah and and you can change you can change you can absolutely change the course of somebody's day for the better if you're if you ask them about where they're from ask them about what they do and question even more questions on top of those in a authentic genuine manner where you are saying like i don't know the thing that you know in the 15 minutes on this drive that I'm taking you from point A to point B, Why don't you teach what, me what can you, will you yeah. please teach me? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, tell me something and, I don't know about and, Southern India. Yeah. And, and if they're not like, and if the answer is no, like cut, cut it and move on, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. um, so yeah, those are the things that I really, I'm passionate about telling people because it's cool. If you wake up and choose greatness, if you wake up and choose a good attitude, even if you wake up in pain or you wake up with psychological, you know, worries about whatever you're worrying about, you know, you can still choose to have a good day. And at first it's like insanely hard, but if you do it every single day, it becomes default. You know, like it doesn't become a choice anymore. It, it is the default mode you wake up in. So as you were speaking, the second thing, which I forgot, mm-hmm. that came to me seems to be very much akin to what you're describing and I I it, it's mindfulness resonance yeah presence mindfulness yep. uh, resonance fucking the ability to connect those are hair hair yeah <laughs> um, but yeah the ability to connect authentically so mm-hmm. I mean it goes along with you know one one and two are yeah. almost two sides same coin of right? course authentic and present right so right. when you're present and you're actually open to maybe enticing someone into conversation it only takes a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of effort to kind of like size somebody up and start a conversation engage even if it is based on hey you look like you're from Pakistan, India, uh-huh. where are you from? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's not racist. That's just an observation. And and it's only racist if I said it in a hurtful, hateful way. Right. What, what are you, what they, Pakistan? What they, can sense, what they can sense is... Your, your curiosity. I, I, my curiosity uh-huh. and my genuine, like, I want to... 
I want to make this the best experience for you and I want to meet you at the things that you know I don't want to tell you the things I know I want I want to give you the floor the opportunity to speak in, in my you know in my space yeah so I, I don't know I loved that job I'm sad I can't do it anymore man you should start your own podcast man you I've thought about it tons of times. Yeah, tons of times. You could ask the same five questions with a hundred different guests. Totally. Completely different conversations. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's pretty cool, man. I like like your style, too. It's not often that I get the reversal. I had to throw it on you. (laughs) It's nice. It takes the pressure off. Sweet. Yeah, sometimes I can't come up with a question. That's okay. It's all good. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, you know, when it comes to, like, the, the lift driving... I imagine it's fairly similar to tour guiding in that it's just more fun for you to have an engaged and it's more fun for them and you you know for the capitalists out there when you take somebody's soul the tip comes in in. and that's it that's it I'm a good tour guide because of my ability to be authentic Mm -hmm. and and present yeah and um, people people reciprocate when you when yes. you give them a little bit of yourself they'll yeah. give you a little bit of their yeah. self they they will pay you um for for the value that they feel that they've gotten yep. yeah yeah value for value yep. is a very interesting I, uh, uh, concept, so, so i had in nine months i had over two thousand rides uh-huh. with lyft never less than five star rating uh-huh. I had a pilot international pilot get in my car drove him to the airport as soon as he got in my car, he was like, I've never seen anybody that had a five-star rating. I've never been in a car where the driver had a five-star rating. So that was like... Cha-ching. Big, yeah. big yeah. gold stars, swelling with pride, you but, know, like... you know, it's good. You should, yeah. like... You know, it's like... I, I always think of, like, toll booth workers on the highway, right? And most of them are just sad, miserable motherfuckers. Right. But occasionally you go through the toll and somebody's just so Radiating. genuine, mm-hmm. yeah, radiant, and like loving. And it's like, they got something yep. that most people don't got. And They and don't need a glamorous job. You know what or, they you know, got? The ability to choose uh, having a great day when they wake up. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know what? Why, why, why wouldn't you choose that? It's a matter of a lot of people don't know you can choose. A lot it, of uh, uh, the majority of people do not know that you can choose it. But it's like a positive feedback loop by deciding you're mm-hmm. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Even in the face of turmoil and challenge and you can still rise above. Of course. Excuse me. Um, of course. You got a good philosophy, man. Thank you. I'm I've glad been you, working on it for a minute. Well, I'm glad you persisted with me cuz uh you know, it's again like I'm. I'm almost just kind of like a little bit tired. So mm-hmm. my my, you know, I. It, a lot of times I have a hard time deciding when to put the recorder away to just have a normal hangout. Right. 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 But the fact that you asked to be recorded, you wanted to do the interview. I'm like, let's go. But my brain's just a little foggy and like you. Nothing wrong. I appreciate with that. you just leading it, man. Sweet, you, you killed it. You yeah, killed no it. problem. You, you really should consider doing your own show. I strongly consider it. Yeah, I, it's um, really not hard. If you need help, like figuring it out, I'm happy to give yeah, you some tips. We should shit. swap contacts totally, for sure. Totally. I my uh, my biggest my the biggest deterrent for me is going public with my face. Don't. Because that's you don't have yeah, to. Uh, you don't have to post a single fucking picture. I hear you. Be strictly audio. A lot of people are doing both video and audio podcasting. Uh-huh. 
I hesitate to get into video content, even though I think it could benefit me, like, business-wise, potentially. It's like a whole other can of worms, basically. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a private guy myself, so I can respect the the desire to not be seen. Yeah. I don't... That's the funny thing is, I don't want to be anonymous. Like, I almost feel like part of my principle is that I stand behind what I say, Mm -hmm. and I... I don't feel like anything I've said is any reason to hide, right? Right. But at the same time, like, I've never had a whole lot of photographs of me on social media. I'd rather be the guy behind the camera than in front of it. Right. Um, See, for me, uh, there is a desire to be in front of it. mm. There's a lot of of things that I'm like, if I recorded this, I, I feel like I could do well. But, um, and I want to, I have the desire to do it, but so the hesitation, the is hesitation coming, is, is that from one, a desire for privacy or a insecurity yeah, or privacy, okay. privacy. Yeah. Once you open Pandora's box, there's no going back yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, am I, am I ready to open Pandora's box? That's kind of the. You know, when I feel ready, I absolutely will. But well, I would say don't do it till you. Well, because frankly, I, I thought about it for a long time before mm-hmm. the day came that I'm like, it's time. It's time. Yeah. And, I um, I don't feel like it's time. Sure. Yeah. But I would say don't let the the desire to keep your face from being out there, don't let that stop you. Yeah. You know, like you can work with that. In fact, there's something kind of almost there's like a mystique. Yeah, you know, I know that there are podcasters that stay fully anonymous. Mm-hmm. And there are podcasters that like do the opposite, real name and tons of footage and pictures, but like almost being halfway in between, you know, like, Hey man, I'm Ethan from Camden, Tennessee. That's all you need to know. Right. You don't need to know what I look like. Right. You don't need to know what I, what I, you know, where I grew up or what's my, you know, birth date. You don't need to know any of that shit. You just need to know. Or what's your name? No one even knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, so some people choose a pseudonym or something. Like I said, me personally, I almost feel um, to be anonymous for me would feel like disingenuous. But some people, the nature of their content truly does necessitate anonymity. Right. Um, or if you're trying to sort of almost create a, I don't want to say alter ego, but like, you know what I mean? Like a... Um, mm-hmm character right right yeah no characters for me okay yeah yeah it doesn't suit me no i couldn't i couldn't pull it off no yeah not at all it's almost like you wonder guys like um nor do i want to well who am i thinking of conspiracy theorist jones alex alex jones oh right you have to wonder with a guy like that is he is he performing or is that truly how he is I, I, I don't know the answer, but... I'm not sure, It but, seems that's truly how he is. But I think it is how he is. Yeah. And that's the thing. People probably would have been more turned off. Uh, you know, he's got his haters, don't get me For wrong. Sure. But he wouldn't be as successful if he wasn't authentically being himself. Right, right. And, uh, and, and that's another thing that, you know, my boss, John Willis, talks about is... Um, uh, you can come... You can come to John Willis's place, and everything that you've ever seen in his videos, he will take you straight to it. Yeah, yeah. And and show you in real life, in the flesh, the thing that you saw online. Um, and people are attracted to that because it is authentic, uh-huh. you know. And and 
the his proof is in his pudding you uh-huh. know like th- there's absolutely nothing that he's not actually doing mm-hmm. you know so I'm really looking forward to talking to him tomorrow yeah I, you know I'm sure I'll make it happen but he just seems he's he's a really approachable guy and fingers I, crossed man yeah but yeah no it sounds like he's more than willing to chat it's a matter of timing and making sure he's you not, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. you yeah. will probably have to like weasel in talk there. to me now please sure yeah, sure sure yeah yeah. yeah 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 so but what is a polymath right so polymath the sort of short sweet definition is somebody who uses diverse skills and knowledge to solve complex problems okay so in other words many disciplines i believe that would be the rough etymology of the word um, many many jack, knowledges many jack of all trades master of none bingo cool um, sweet renaissance man yeah, yeah whatever you want to call it but yeah. uh, jack talks about it a lot on the survival podcast mm-hmm. uh that's where I kind of picked up on the concept and it just, it struck me as like, well, shit, that's like what I'm, that's what I want to be when yeah. I grow up, you know, yeah. or that's what I've been working towards. Yeah. Cause like I said, I, that's there the, was a time when I was, I that's say the I was, avenue that resonates the most. Yes. Yeah. Cause I've always had a hard time specifying or specializing or sticking to something for long. Now I've, the longest I've kept a job has been the job I created for myself. Okay. The gardening business. And Sweet. I love it. I'm not even remotely done doing it. Right. But every other job I ever had, save like one, the mm-hmm. construction job. Yeah. I was done within six months. Never kept a job more than six yep. months. I, I've had uh, probably nine jobs. Uh-huh. Um, two of them I stayed for over a year. Yeah. Two of them were one year, three months. Yeah. Both. Yeah. And then... The uh, my favorite working for air quotes the man job um, I stayed two years three months okay yeah and everything after that was less than a year yeah at one point I counted it up I think I can't claim it anymore but I think when I was twenty six I counted them all up and I'd had twenty seven jobs so I I, I yeah. was like I I can claim I've had more jobs than years yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> you know of course, yeah and it's um. Sometimes I, I think back and it's like, how did I even, like, the math doesn't even add up. Have I been in some kind of time loop or yeah. something? But, like, I counted the jobs, like, Damn. they're all there, you know. Yeah. But, you know, three months here, yeah. three months there, six but months here. It, you know, so th- uh, if you live in the corporate world and you're trying to get jobs in the corporate world, that looks bad on a resume because it's sh- in the perception of the corporation, they, they see it, it's called job hopping. Yeah, sure. Is the term. And they see it as, well, you're not stable. Like, I can't rely on you to be here in six, seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're the problem. But if you look at the individual, if the individual is going from job to job to acquire enough of the skill of that job to then go and be their own person doing mm-hmm. their own thing, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So it might be harder to get more jobs to acquire the skills and knowledge that you want but you know totally a viable option like i've had many different jobs working completely un like unrelated sure sure from job to job and uh, some of it i use on a daily basis and some of it i don't know if i'll ever use again sure. but i have the knowledge and i can create a conversation about it um, i find it almost interesting and this is not like me trying to toot my own horn but I, I I've pondered this before where it's like 
I honestly don't think I've shown a resume since my last like shit like job. Yeah, I've only given right? a resume to one job, right? Out of nine. And so this whole notion of like, well, you gotta your resume has to look good. Yeah. you gotta be, you gotta look that's an reliable and insti- consistent institutional bullshit. It's, it, unless you're going into unless some that's corporate yeah, shit, but if the you're thing working, you desire, yeah. if you're working sort of any other type of job it's all about the face to face yeah every job i've gotten since i got out of school have a good evening guys oh, we're gonna be right back oh okay sweet yeah, yeah we're uh Sorry. i was told i took a horse shower if you okay. catch my drift splash splash a little bird shower a little you know yeah <laughs> sorry it's all good um what was i saying though resumes yeah well it's just like every job that i've had that i really enjoyed and or got paid well doing Mm -hmm. I got strictly based on who I knew and what they knew about me yeah like I don't think I've even interviewed for any of the last four or five jobs I've had Mm -hmm. it was a straight up like offer slash like plea right right. like please like we need you like come back you know like my tour guide and gig they call me back because they need help and and it's I think you can do that when you are willing to job hop and gain experience to where you don't even have to tell people what jobs you've had. Right. You just, by exuding a level of competence, confidence, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, they know that they want you on their team. Right. They don't need to know every bit of experience you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, the resume game is bullshit anyways. I you know? couldn't fuck agree that more. Noise. Yeah, fuck a resume. Resumes mean jack shit. These days, I really unless you're in the corporate world, we're we're saying. But well, in the wants, corporate world, they want a resume. However, what's on a resume doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, I could have worked with nuclear weapons for 15 years. That doesn't mean I know shit about nuclear weapons. Sure, you could have been mopping the floors in the silo. Exactly. The way you phrase it can be awfully em- embellished, you know. And a lot of people embellish very, very heavily on their resumes. So do you work uh, for SOE as well? I've no, seen you kind of. I, I work at. You're volunteering uh, for Costco. the festival, right? At Costco, huh? Yep. I'm but you're Costco. volunteering here, right? Yep. You, you were the guy at the gate, right? Yep. Cool. What's your name, man? I'm Dave. I'm recording an episode. Hope you don't mind. Sorry to step on your episode. Oh. No, not even. No not even, man. Uh, what brings you to the? I, I I thought I was wearing a different shirt, but Easy Peasy Podcast. I had my Easy Peasy shirt on yeah. earlier. Uh, now I've got my Government Is a Myth shirt on. Almost you looks like a zoo You know, uh... I said Jesus in a suit. You know the name Lysander Spooner? No. He, I was, I roughly threw who he was at, the, at Ethan, but, uh... He basically went into direct competition with the USPS back in the late 1800s. Okay. And was able to deliver mail for a fraction of the cost. You know, the, basically the government had a monopoly on postage... And they were overcharging the citizens. And this guy said, fuck y'all. I'm starting my own letter letter carrier business. Okay. And he did local deliveries for free and, and had certain routes. And he basically proved that you can be Pony profitable. Express. It was post Pony Express. Okay. Basically, you know, 100 years or so after the, okay. uh, you know, after the nation was founded, the post office had gained this monopoly. And he argued that the Constitution, while it granted the authority to have a post office, it did not grant 
a monopoly on delivery services. Correct. So he went into direct competition, and the post office was basically forced to lower their prices significantly. So that was his, you know, good deed for the world. But they also made private post illegal and shut his ass down. You know, so it's kind of like the story of Lysander Spooner is sort of a, a tale of victory and defeat. You know, he proved a hell of a point, but they shut his ass down. You know, well, that's the government. They do not like competition. They, that's the one thing they really hate. Yeah. No. It's one of loss the of power. Hate. Sure. Yeah. Competition. Yeah. And independent individuals. But he's an interesting cat. He's re- yeah. he's written some really. Uh, he wrote, oh shit, I can't even remember what it was called. But he's written some really good libertarian anarchist sort of philosophy. But I honestly don't even read that kind of stuff much. I I pick up the stories and I I trust that people who have read these books know what they're talking about when they talk about these books. But I I almost would rather sit down and like read a gardening. Yes. You know, how-to book. <laughs> right? Like, I'm convinced of my own philosophy. I don't need to keep reading the same ideas over and over in, in different words. Words, right? Let's live it instead of fucking jib-jabbing yeah. about it. Right. right? <laughs> Absolutely. I like to jib-jab, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely but, have the gift of gab. Yeah. <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Is jib-jab even a thing, or am I making that shit up? I have no idea. I believe you're making that up. But. I am stoned, so there's that, but... Why not make to it each up? their own, yes, and as sir. long as it makes you happy and doesn't hurt me, why should I care? Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being on the show. I think I'm going to hit the hit the pause and see what's going on. Are people congregating? Yeah, uh, sure. They are congregating inside. Inside? Oh. And I figured there was a campfire. I saw some smoke or there's, something. There's that, too. Yeah, cool. Probably the campfire going out by the yeah, tents as well. Sweet. There's people all over. Yeah, well, wander around, see what's what. But enjoy your podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks Appreciate for the it. interview. Yeah. Rock and roll, y'all. Alright, buddy. So let me see here. Make sure we're not peeking it out. So you've got a full blown blacksmithing rig set up here. I mean it doesn't take much though, right? It's just an anvil, a forge, some some hammers, some some clamps. Um, basic tooling, yeah. But you're you're kind of demonstrating practical blacksmithing here. It's kind of, I think it's neat. You're making just plain old silverware, mm-hmm. spoons, forks, knives, mm-hmm. not not you know weapon knives, just table knives, yep. right? Um, do you have a, like a specialty that you do, or is that? I I prefer traditional blacksmithing, uh, making tools, uh, things like the the silverware, um, doing decorative stuff like leaves, gates. Um, latches handles for doors super super simple smaller stuff um, that, that's really what I enjoy I don't particularly like making uh, things like knives swords are always kind of cool uh-huh. axes are kind of cool uh, but anything small like that I'm, if it's gonna be something special like that I'm typically not a, a big fan of for me doing that super sure. cool that other people want to do it that's just not my thing yeah 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 well somebody's got to make the practical yo somebody's got to make the damn forks well everything <laughs> everything starts with do being able to do this all blacksmiths can make blades but not all bladesmiths can blacksmith sure um, yeah, i'm not yeah. using a grinder i'm using heat and a fucking chunk of steel and then another chunk of steel on the end of a stick and sandwiching it together to to make different shapes uh-huh. uh, and being able to actually build tools uh, so one of the things blacksmiths often say is you need a tool 
make a tool. Make it. That's what we're gonna do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is not your full-time business, though. Oh yeah. no, this is a hobby. This is a hobby, and you you've got a few endeavors. It sounds like, which I love. So on my show, I promote the idea of being a polymath. Have you ever heard that term? No. But you you sound like a polymath to me. What, okay. What, okay. A, what a polymath is is in essence a jack of all trades. Okay. Yeah. You know, the definition is something akin to a person with diverse knowledge and skills who can solve complex problems. Every blacksmith in history has been a polymath because you don't just know about how to blacksmith, you know about horseshoes and you know about you know tablewares and you know about all these things that need to be made. Um, but like you said, first of all, you sell merch. Yep. Um, now what's this symbol, this dog so, symbol? So it, it's my tactical gear company, Great Wolf okay. Tactical. Great um, Wolf or Gray? Great Wolf. Great. Okay. Um, uh, and we do holsters, medical supplies, flashlights, anything to reasonably carry a gun. I try to stick with uh, things that are U.S. made um, whenever all possible, and I don't sell anything that I'm not willing to carry. Sure, sure. And then I know uh, you've got one other venture, which I think is the coolest of the bunch, but it's hard to say which is the coolest of the bunch, but you run a, a jiu-jitsu, yeah, uh, yeah. what do you call it, a dojo or a... I, I just call it an academy. Academy, okay, uh, okay. Do, dojo, for whatever reason, just seems kind of pretentious. Yeah, or like uh, cheesy or something. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and then everybody is just like, oh, you do that fucking karate thing. I'm like, nah, I choke motherfuckers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nah, this ain't no karate. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not the same thing. I, I, get, I get in close and personal. Yeah, uh, and I, I will choke motherfuckers. I'm not afraid to punch people in the face either. But well, when you mentioned before that you teach jujitsu, I said, you know, I'm I, I really do need to get into a jujitsu academy or school or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Because um, I, I mentioned to you that I've I've had like three close calls with people who've tried to fight me. No reason, you know. Uh -huh. I I didn't give them a reason. They they just you know. Yep. Bad place. Wrong St place. Wrong time. Stupid people stupid, doing stupid things. That's right. In stupid places. That's right. And. Um, and every time I've been armed, and I've known that in the back of my head, like, de-escalate at all costs. Uh -huh. um, but I felt a bit unprepared for those situations, knowing that I have no grappling training or, you know, basic martial arts training. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm curious, not that you can learn it in two weeks or a month, but, like, what would you say to be a relatively... Um, proficient or pragmatic user of these like grappling skills. What do you need? Six months of training, a full year. So I'm that, sure it depends on the person. It, but. it 100% depends on the person. Depends on how often you're actually going to go. Uh -huh. um, I would suggest a minimum of twice a week, if any at all possible. You can totally do it once a week. Yeah. Um, but you're you're probably looking at anywhere from six months to a year and a half to be able to be relatively confident fighting another human being yeah. um, that is actively resisting against you yeah. and probably come out okay. Now, it also depends on your instructor. So if you've got a good instructor, you're going to end up going a lot faster. Um, when I first got into this seven years ago, um, we were not able to build people near as quickly as I can today. Yeah. Um, it, it took me two and a half years to get a blue belt. Um, and then from there, we've been able to progress considerably faster. I can get somebody to a blue belt level and competitively a blue, a blue belt level if they want to actually go and do competitions mm -hmm. in about a year. Okay. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it just depends on the person. So if anybody were to want to buy, you know, buy some gear from you, you sell it online, I presume. Uh -huh. What's Great. your What's your store called? Uh, GreatWolfTactical.com. Yep. You can find me on Instagram. 
um, and Facebook as well. There are two Facebook pages. Uh, the one that's been posting recently is going to be the one that you're going to want to find because Facebook decided to delete all of my social media about a year and a half ago. Bastards. Um, both Instagram and Facebook got deleted. It was great. Uh, yeah. It cost me about $3,000 a month. Because you're happened. such a fucking radical, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, ne never, I'd never even gotten like a 24-hour ban for anything. No. Just all of a sudden I woke up one morning and everything was gone. Wow, no warning, no No, no warnings, no fucking nothing. It was just yeah. all gone. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Because so I'd, I'd spent thousands of dollars building that brand. Sure, sure. Well, I, you know, I wish you the best. I'm, I'm going to scope out your store because, uh, you know, I, my gun collection is growing a little bit at a time, and I could maybe, I could maybe use some of your gear. Uh, but I like your logo. I think it's really, you know, it's almost, um, it's like a space wolf or something. You know, it's kind of badass. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to go with something that was a little bit more modern. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. And and the actual, um, the protect your pack mantra that I, I kind of. Put out there protect uh, your pack protect yeah, your i saw pack. that on the back of the shirt yeah. um that that is something that really resonates with a lot of people yeah because um, whether you want to look at it as a as a tribe a pack a fucking cult whatever um, <laughs> like your people are your people and we would like to protect them yes. or at least we should because if we're not wanting to protect them then we don't like them and we need to find different people so before i let you go i'll just tell you real quick i was down in texas two weeks ago for this event called childerberg mm -hmm. uh big anarchist festival mm -hmm. and and the the big joke is we swear we're not a cult yeah <laughs> you know and it, it's hosted like an hour outside of waco uh -huh. so it's all you know we're all like you know keep your eyes peeled if you see an atf hat uh, I'm gonna hide my dog. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it was such a good time, man. You know, and this is this is equally as good a time, but much more like uh, workshoppy, and you know, that was just pure chaos in the right ways. You know, just open conversation, open dialogue, very little structure. Um, if you guys, if you guys are interested, you should come next year. There was a whole lot of bartering and trading going on. Mm -hmm. You know, you could set up a booth without having to pay extra you know well, that, that's that. sweet I yeah like that. yeah yeah but it was a hell of a good time um childerberg's where it's at man cool yeah but anywho uh appreciate your time tell me your name again dakota lobato dakota mike easy peasy is my uh i'm not wearing my easy peasy shirt i keep doing that but i, I was wearing it yesterday that's cool. if you want to listen yeah easy peasy podcast sweet one word look for the peapot all right i appreciate yes, it man absolutely well good luck to you thank you i'm yep. gonna start my forge back up cool all right patrick rorman am i saying that right yes sir mt knives mt knives rock yep. and roll i just bought a neck knife from you i've never owned a neck knife you're teaching me how not to cut myself with it yeah <laughs> okay yeah so these are not your average sharpness knives you know they're gonna cut they require like little to no effort to cut anything um you have to be careful they're so sharp when you've got to put the knife back in the sheath, it'll cut right through the Kydex sheath. Okay. So when you put the knife back into the sheath, you want to make sure that if there's any resistance that you're not cutting into the sheath, mm -hmm. it should go into about there. And then if you push on this top corner, you hear that nice click. And then you know that the knife is secure in its sheath. Then you can use your thumb here and just pop it off and you're ready for action. So the one that you're wearing, I see the scales are a little bit fancier than the one I just bought. What do you got on that one? Right, this is a custom knife. Yeah. Um, that's a um, koa wood, it comes from Hawaii. Yeah, I almost was gonna ask, either that or... Um, it has a beautiful chatoyance, that tiger eye effect. And this inlay, that's really intricate. You, you did all that? So that's a mosaic pin. 
Okay. Um, I purchase it. You can make them, but it's easier. I just purchased these. I think it's a Sally Martin pen. She's got all different kinds of designs. Yeah. But those are little rods and tubing, and it runs through and through the knife. Wow, wow. So it's a, it's a really nice addition to just kind of help set the knife off. Yeah. How long you been making knives for? Oh, somewhere around 12, 13 years, right. something like that. Is it more or less your main income source or no? 100%. Is yeah. it? Okay, so because yeah. no, we were talking last night, you said you were a lineman. Yeah, I was, that, a, I was a lineman and then I, I quit, went full-time knife making and I've uh, been doing, I did that for about eight years. Last, in 2020, um, in like, October 2020, I went back to line work for about seven months and uh, just make some scratch real quick. Yeah, I had to uh, just medical bills and different things that yeah. you know, it's hard to it's hard to make a living with you know working for yourself and you don't have the benefits of employment. You know the, the dental, you know insurance coverage, dental coverage, vision coverage, the all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no paid vacations. Right, no, right. No right. holidays. Right, right. You know, uh, the lineman gig is just an amazing thing. You know, you can make really good money. It's dangerous work, but you know you got holidays and vacation time. So you've got that in the back pocket. Anytime you need to, you could you could go get a gig doing that. Yeah, work. I'll yeah. always be a journeyman lineman. Yeah. And I try to stay fit and healthy and if I ever got to go back uh, or if you know I just want to go back if there's a storm or something I could always just go so out and let me ask storms. you this let me ask you this do you think there's something about danger that appeals to you because <laughs> <laughs> you make exceptionally sharp knives and you work with electricity high voltage electricity I mean yeah is <laughs> I'm pretty I'm, yeah I'm pretty, you must uh, have a screw loose or something I have a couple of screws <laughs> Well, I tell you what, man. I appreciate your time. You know, I don't really have any other questions. So, unless you got, you want to plug your show or? Uh, yeah, I, I I do some YouTube, uh, but I mean, I'm, you don't have your own podcast. You're just a contributor. To, yeah, I, okay. I I'm on the expert council for the survival podcast, yeah. and then uh, I don't do any podcasting, but more than happy to contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, well, you're now I'm officially an easy peasy contributor, well, so thank I appreciate you, man. it, man. Yeah. Nice yeah. to meet you. Hey, likewise, likewise. <laughs> Perfect. Nicole Sauce. Yeah. The lady, the legend. <laughs> I am I'm very saucy today. It's day day 3 of running events. So yeah. Well, you're going to get full sauce today. I just want to say personally, thank you sure. uh, for organizing this. Well, I'm really glad you made time to come. I, it's I good to see you. I couldn't say no. It's good to see yeah. you too. I yeah. couldn't make it to any of the rogues this year. They're too far away. Yeah. That, but, yeah. Uh, this is really cool. So Yeah, how far is your drive? About 5 hours from here. Oh, that's six, not bad. 6 ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, had to come down. I was just I was just in Texas for Childerberg. Have you heard yeah, about that? Yeah. Pretty wild time. Yeah. I, that's a little that more bet. a little more psychedelic than this one. So there's some of that but. going on you don't know about. Apparently, you haven't found it yet. <laughs> I, I guess know, not. I, I know he can talk to. <laughs> well, I got my fill of that two weeks ago. So this is way more like practical, hands-on, how-to yeah. stuff, which I appreciate. And I've probably interviewed like 12 people with different like trades, different um, skill sets. And every one of them, I bring up the idea of being a polymath. Most of them have not heard the term. Right. But I'm like, you are a polymath, whether yeah. you know it or not, you know? Um, so I guess I just, I'd be curious, like, to ask, how many years has Self-Reliance Fest been going? 
Is this your? This is our third one. Three. Our okay. one year anniversary. We do multiple per year. Our one year anniversary is October first and second, which is the next Self Reliance Festival this year. October. Okay. So we're is in that, year one. Is right that going to be here as well? Here as well. It's okay. always here. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Different speakers? Different there... speakers. So on Friday this week, we release an application form for speaking and for demos. Okay. And then at some point, we'll cut that off, review them, figure out who's going to speak. I already know Toolman Tim is coming from cool, Canada. Cool, cool, cool. Because I had to arrange that in advance. Yeah. But we'll have the, the lineup, and we'll launch ticket sales probably. Well, I'm, I'm tempted to throw Friday. my hat in the ring. You now. should totally throw your yeah, hat in the ring. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm tempted to try to make a presentation about making permaculture cool. Do it. Something Do of it. that nature. Do it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole liberty is the new punk thing. Like, yeah. Permaculture is the new liberty. Yeah. 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 It's like we got to look cool so we can attract yeah, the normies. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Stop using the p word, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> don't use the p word. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, I really don't have anything else to ask you, so I just wanted honestly to say thanks. You know, this is really a cool event, yeah. and uh, I know you put a lot of work into it. Like, clearly, you've been running around like a chicken oh, yeah. with your head cut Pretty off much. but but you're keeping it all together yeah it's life. all great i have a really good team of volunteers yeah, and yeah. workers here and this one really came into its own as far as that goes well i'm so. thinking i'll be more than happy to help in future uh future events, awesome we'll so. keep in contact about that if anybody listening is interested in going it's selfrelianceFestival.com. dot com yep shocking <laughs> <laughs> all right well i really appreciate your time yeah yeah, yeah thank good you. to see you you too you too all might be enough um, to break down the vast majority of the seeds into humus. Okay. Um, or maybe they even germinate in the pile and die off in a year. Could be. There's got to be a temperature because somebody had a problem where they're... They, they do go through a heat cycle. ...horse manure or something that had grains in it, and yep. it, it didn't get hot enough, and they used it, and then now they have all these grains okay, growing so wherever they used it. Horses... Horses are notorious with their GI they tract. Don't digest the they seeds. don't digest the seeds. Yeah. And they will just, horse manure is just notorious for just being. Just adding some fertilizer and sending it on its way. It's just a weed soup. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the cool stuff that like you can learn from someone yeah. else's mistake and yeah. coming to this you hear those and right right doesn't matter that you made a mistake you mm -hmm. get to share it i love the people she said it before i learned the best from somebody who just learned how to do it not an expert mm -hmm. because those people are trial and error and yep, messing yep, things yep. up and you're gonna do that and they're gonna guide you mm -hmm. through how yeah. not to because the expert forgets all those things and so it's cool yeah so to Go to the weed thing. The the best feedstocks to put through a Johnson Sioux bioreactor shredded leaves. Is shredded leaves from trees and wood chips. Yeah. One or the other. Right. Or both together. So it's, it'll be accidental if you've got a bunch of weed seeds so in there. So it should be not weedy anyways. Yeah. Alright, so next question. Does and it'd be even better if the wood chips were rameal wood chips, you know, branches. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Um, does the height matter? Is there something about the six foot, or is it just the cheapest per foot in in length uh, welded wire fence is the six foot tall? Well, so they're using the the, oh, using the, the, the concrete rebar, mesh. Yeah, the rebar mesh. Yeah, um, which I think is well, fantastic. Is that six or is that eight? It's six or eight. Okay. That stuff rusts out pretty quick, though. Well, it's it's pretty it's just pretty heavy rust. duty. Yeah. Most of it's okay. just surface rust, yeah. um, and it can it can last in the elements. Trust for me, I've got some in a field. Is it cheaper? 20, it's been 30. there for at least ten years. Yeah. That's how long I've owned the property. Fencing. 
generally, yeah. yeah okay. That's good to know. I, I would have thought softer it It's softer wire. Yeah. It's softer wire. Um, generally, it's like 9 gauge or, yeah, or okay. so. Um, so it's thicker. Yeah. It's thicker wire. It's heavier duty. Uh, oftentimes, you can get it cheap or even free. Can you give like a 30-second description of this John, what is it? Johnson Sioux. The bioreactor. This is a compost method, right? Correct. Okay. So it is a, it's a cold. Type it into your, you have your phone on you? I, I, I'm recording He's recording. Right okay, now. I was going to say, yeah. do that. And um, there's the videos really, I mean, they, it's like step by step by step. I keep step hearing about it here. I, I don't think I'd heard that phrase yeah. before. But. So basically, um, the Berkeley uh, style of composting is you build your pile and you need specific ratios of greens and browns right. or carbon to nitrogen and that's hard to quantify that's hard to measure it's hard to get an, um, it's hard arbitrary. to get an idea yeah, yeah, yeah. right <clears throat> um and then you have to let that sit for a period of time and then you break down the whole pile you strip all the outside off and put it in the center and you take the core of that pile and put it on the outside and you, you keep this turning process. And you're turning it, it gets really hot. There's tons of biological activity, mostly bacterial and protozoa. You said this is like an 18 day. And generally it's like an 18 to 30 day process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very, fun, uh, it's very uh, bacterially dominated and it converts a ton of the uh, the physical nitrogen, the embodied nitrogen present into atmospheric nitrogen in the form of ammonia. Um, and it just blows off, a, a bunch of the carbon gets burnt up, a bunch of the nitrogen gets burnt up. So a lot of the nutrients get wasted in that Berkeley style composting. If you don't do it just ever so perfectly. And if you're new to composting, you're not going to do it perfectly. Right, it's right, a lot right. of backbreaking labor. I talk my clients out of composting. Right. Because I've never seen one successful uh, in, a, in a backyard kind of. Yeah, it's, it's tougher to do. Right. So what I like to do is I like to utilize chickens or some other animal to take care of all of the compostables. Mm -hmm. And they get stockpiled and stored. Personally, I use chickens, and all of that feed goes into a deep bedding, dry, uh, indoor structure. Okay, right, right. and then I'll I'll periodically spray some lactobacillus serum on there. So I'm essentially kind of almost bakashi composting. I am pickling and drying out the material. Interesting. And okay. it and it builds up over the course of a year. And then at the end of that year, I will take all that material out and I will put it in a compost pile. So um, I might take that whole chicken structure and split it in between two of the Johnson Sioux bioreactors. So I'm taking all of those captured nutrients from food that I purchased off-site. I've retained all the waste, except for what I consumed. <clears throat> so I'm not sending any of those... Uh, any of that money, essentially, because that's what it is. Right. It's embodied energy. I'm not sending any of that to the landfill. <clears throat> All that gets composted in this Johnson Sioux. It's basically like it's a, a cage. A column. Or a it's a it's a cylinder. cylinder yeah. Yep. It's a cylinder. The exterior is metal mesh of some kind. The interior is a weed barrier fabric, geotech fabric. Okay. 
okay. is porous, so it lets moisture um, in and out. In and out. Yep, yep. It lets uh, air in and out. It's a lot more air permeable than moisture permeable. So the outside edge remains moist. So it does. You don't have this this crust on the outside of your your cylinder that's dry, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that present prevents it from I'm decomposing. Following, I'm following you. And then did I hear something about like a, a pipe that runs yep. down the center yep. for aeration? So, <coughs> so what you do is you have uh, a set number of pipes. Okay. Normally you'll build a jig to hold those pipes vertical, mm -hmm. and it's just like a four-inch drain pipe, PVC drain pipe. And then you fill up around those pipes and you fill the whole thing up. You don't smash it down. You just pile it in there and yep. it just fills up. Yep. You get it full and you leave it. You come up about 24, 48 hours later and it's settled a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you take your jig off and you just pull your pipes straight up and out and you remove the pipes and then it leaves this column of air. Yeah, yeah. And then as it starts, it'll go through a hot bacterial... Um, Rapid phase breakdown. and it'll start breaking down rapidly and then it will slow down the bacteria will go through their bell curve um, population spike and crash and then more protozoa um, all kinds of little uh, crustacean critters you know microorganisms will move in and then you'll have the fungi start doing their cycles their uh, spikes and crashes okay. and you'll as so you've got like a week or two of hot time and then it, a normally about a month okay of that that hotter period yeah. and once it cools off then you can go through um and toss in a handful of earthworms and they'll start working their way down through it and it basically huh. turns Dude, the whole thing into one big worm bin worm castings yeah. worm castings yeah, cool, cool. essentially you have some little drip or spray irrigation at the top that just Moist. gives a little bit of moisture every day and that's capped with some more weed barrier fabric. So the so, whole thing is kind of like wrapped up. Yeah. The whole thing's kind of wrapped up. Okay. But air can flow through it. And then by the time everything is broken down enough that those columns of air collapse, uh -huh. you don't need all of the aerobic. Um, it doesn't need to be an aerobic system anymore. It can go more anaerobic because it's almost all broken down at that point. I got you. And then at that point, really all you're looking for is the fungal species to go through their spikes and crashes. And then as they go through, you know, fungus species 5,437 goes through a spike and it crashes, and then it goes through um, a spore process and basically goes dormant. Okay. And so you have that, that species of fungi dormant, and at the end of that whole year of just sitting there, you're not doing anything to it, you might have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of species of fungi present in the form of spores. So then when you take that material and you fluidize it or you spread it on an area that you're, there you're is room for those fungi to just explode into growth because now there's room, there's material, there are the growth cues that tell it, hey, this is hospitable environment, it's time to grow. So this is how you inoculate mycorrhiza. Into right, into right, okay. right. I feel a little bad, I feel like I hijacked. Did, did his question get answered? I can't remember exactly. Probably. <laughs>
Hey, did buddy, you, I didn't did mean you, to hijack. What was your? Did your question get answered? No. Okay. Does the height matter? Does the height because matter? I was thinking about doing IBC toe. I've always cages. heard height matters. You can absolutely do IBCs. <laughs> okay. It's how yeah. You use well, you need at least a cubic yard. Is that what you said yesterday to um, make it work? Or? No, no. Um, the the general rule of thumb for the hot compost is you need at least a cubic yard. Um, I wouldn't go much smaller than that because I mean you're going to want more than that. Well, my thought was is a you've got I don't have to build that. Right. I've got them readily available. Yep. And I put them on a pallet. I put the fabric in. I cut the holes in the pallet. I put the pipes in. I only need pipes this tall. I can four foot load pipes. it It'll without getting off. I can you load it without getting off the take ground. Take a forklift and move them around. Yeah. I mean, shit, that'd yep. be yep. nice. Yeah, that'd yeah. Be nice. If you had a front end loader or a bobcat, Absolutely. you can fill them up with that. Yes, there's there's lots of people being successful with I've the IBCs. I've seen people loading them. Yep. I haven't seen any videos where the guys are like, hey, it's been a year since we showed you the video of us loading an IBC Here's with, the, with the Johnson Sioux system. Here's what comes out of it. Like, that's what I hadn't seen yet. So yeah. that's what I was wondering. Yeah. All right, yeah, if it works. Yeah. Because I've got lots of, lay, lay I've a got tarp. access to lots of leaf. Lay a tarp down and then take your forks and just flip it upside, flip it sideways or upside down and then lift it off. And now everything's down and on the tarp. Right. And then you can scoop it up, move it, whatever you need to do. Yep. So I don't think even I'm need end. to do that. You could just hook. You could just hook a. If you didn't have a forklift or you had yep. it in an area where you couldn't get it, you could literally hook a come along. Yep. And hook to the other side of it and just pull it over. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snatch block above and just pull the bottom of it up and I mean, just a high flip lift it jack down. or something. There's yeah. a lot of ways Absolutely. you can do that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm heavy. gonna I'm gonna turn off the recorder, but I was really great. I just want to get basically who y'all are uh, before I end it. So. Nick Ferguson, Nick Ferguson Homegrown are, Liberty. Okay, Homegrown Liberty. And, and rareplantstore.com. Awesome, man. Sean Mills, Hack My Solar. I've, you know, that's so funny. It's like, I, I know both of you from listening to all these shows, but right. yeah. you're just fucking people like anybody else. Yep. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's like when I come out here and someone's like, man, I really want to go talk to Jack. I'm like, fucking go talk to Jack. He's right He's there. right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just a guy. He's a person. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate it, y'all. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's a good little quick, you know, how to, because compost is a tricky some bitch. People think it's as simple as piling it up and walking away. It's like, good when it's, luck. When you now. use the Johnson Sioux method, it is. It really I, is. I as so. simple as piling it up well, and walking away. It's a good example of like the 80-20 rule, right? 80% preparation, 20% execution. All yep. the work at the front end leads to a better result at the back yeah, end. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Pretty cool. Yep. So say it again. Johnson Sue. Is that yep. Johnson Sue. Johnson S U. S U bioreactor. Yep. Bio yep. Okay. Cool. Right on. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah. 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 Appreciate it. Yep. Now the pressure's on. I'm not used to being on camera. <laughs> you, might, you might not be. We, we film a lot that doesn't make it on camera. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I mean because I forget to hit record. <laughs> you know, I do that a lot because I'll hit it once and it goes into standby if I don't hit it the second time. So I've done whole interviews. So you know you can run just off of a camera and then rip it to... Sure. Yeah, to yeah, you. yeah. All right, roll. Yeah, we're good. Right on. So, John Willis. What's up, man? Good nice to, meet to meet you. you. I really... I, I'm, I'm just so pleased that this is a thing. I know that, uh, you know, Nicole does a lot of the legwork, but obviously, you know, it wouldn't happen if we didn't have a place to do it. So <clears throat> I'd obviously... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I just got one of those peppercorns. Yeah, yeah. I did that <laughs> last night. And it ends up in your nose somehow. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I knew about special operations equipment. I've actually been talking to a buddy of mine that lives in Nashville, telling him he might want to look into working with you. He's been building ultralight backpacking gear. Cool. Expert sewer. Uh, I know you need those. So, But 
I guess my point being, it's it's cool to see your facility. I had no idea sort of how big this business actually was. Um, really didn't know what to expect, but uh, you got a cool operation going here, and I'm kind of thinking I I got a thing or two I could learn from how you've done your business. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure we could we can learn something from like I'm sure you have a lot that I can learn, right? Mm-hmm. And we can take something. I believe that everybody you come in contact with is contagious, mm-hmm. and you're going to catch something. So you better make sure that you want what you're going to catch. Yeah. So I I am sure that you have a lot of things that I could take away and immediately that day implement into my business and life. Mm-hmm. I just, we just have to decide which ones those pieces are, right? Sure. sure. So um, tactical gear is what has allowed us, that paid the bills, right? And it allowed us to be involved with Jack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, anybody can listen to Jack, but if I didn't have a business, how could I do some business or get Jack's attention? Like I heard Spearco years ago, and I'm like, I want him to know my name, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. want him to know who I am. And more importantly, like because it, it wasn't even on my radar that I could be friends with Jack. Yeah, so yeah. now I get to call him friend. I talk to him every couple of days. Mm-hmm. I have access, right? Mm-hmm. But we're really in the people business. Yeah. So we're in the business of building people and community. And I think if you build that, it really doesn't matter what your product is. Because if people like you, they will believe in you. Mm-hmm. And they will have commerce with you. So the money will come if you do enough good. And that's, I, I kind of was early on had, I, if I could go back 20 years and talk to, or 30 years and talk to 20 year me, mm-hmm. that's what I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Your business, no matter what it is, is the people business. And I don't talk on the phone, right? You're not ever going to get me on the phone. You could be dying in a bed. You won't get me on the phone. Jack sat, Jack would laugh about that, right? He's over there laughing right now. But I, I realized that I need to talk to people on the phone, right? Yeah. So I spent Christmas Eve picking up the phone and calling my customers and going, hey, thank you for your order. I just wanted to say thank you for your order, man. Hey, thank you for your 20th order. Hey, thank you for your first order. Mm-hmm. And every time I do that, the orders just pour in. People talk about it, right? So talking on the phone, just building relationships, just like Bear just said. So that, that's really what it comes down to. And I, I believe that if we do enough good things – the right people will show up, right? How do I get 450, 600 people on the property right now for this? I just was kind of doing some of this stuff. I said, hey, we're going to have a small get-together. Come if you want. 250 people showed up. And I'm like, holy shit, there's 250 people here. I don't have a Ferris wheel. I don't have Shamu. <laughs> They're like, we just want to see the aquaponics. Like, yeah. We just want to see the goldfish. I'm like, good, I have one goldfish. <laughs> so... It's just how do you build things and then motivate people to do them, right? People yeah. come up always and they're like, hey, man, uh, I did this thing because of you. And Well, maybe. I was the dude that you happened to hear when you were ready to do it, right? You finally were ready to execute and you heard something I said and that kicked you off the cliff. But a bunch of other dudes pushed you to the cliff, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do we bring them together and then how do we not only bring them, but how do we all have a piece of that? What, how do we all have some kind of commerce or some kind of business? I need everybody to take the part, their part and monetize it mm-hmm. so that they can continue to be part of it, right? Well, I love your, your premise of monetizing trolls or haters or whatever you want to call them, yeah. right? Um, it kind of flies in the face of what we're taught about, you know, the customer's always right. You know, you right. got to put on a nice face even if they're being an asshole to you. And you've turned that around and actually shown the exact opposite is even more effective. So I believe that was Woolworth that came out with that. Just like a diamond is a girl's best friend. Like Desir mm. or Braziers, whoever the fuck they are, they own all the diamonds, right? And uh-huh. they came up with a diamond is a girl's best friend. And now your girlfriend wants a diamond uh-huh. and she wants you to spend three months of your income to buy the diamond, right? Right. So 
is that true? I mean, it worked. It's awesome marketing, right? Yeah. But when I did that, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Like, I blasted that guy, put his phone number out, put his address out. Mm. Like, he was out there. You said this guy mistreated your wife, right? Well, he called, he called her and said, hey, where the fuck is my order at? I just ordered this, and I don't have tracking, you fucking bitch. So I wrote his name. I wrote all his shit down, right? And this happened at, at like, 11 o'clock on a Friday evening. Mm. And we find his order and pull his order. That motherfucker ordered at 5 o'clock on Friday. Yeah. We closed at 5 o'clock. We yeah. couldn't have shipped it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So it just it, – it, and, and when I when I hit send, I, I authored it outright, and I just kind of sat there for a minute. And she's looking. She's like, what are you going to do? And I hit send. Uh-huh. She goes, what's going to happen? I go, who cares? Yeah. Like, we'll see. We, we have no bills. We owe no money. Mm-hmm. We can do whatever we want. We, we moved here to work with three people, not, not 12, not 20. And the opposite happened, man. The traffic was just like, holy shit. Like, I mean, I mean, huge social media groups were sharing our stuff. Yeah. Restaurant owners and server, like unions were sharing our shit. And it just, it went insane, dude. We did $20,000 in sales that night. Like when we woke up, I'd, I'd forgotten about the post. And the first thing I usually do is look at bank accounts, look at PayPal and look at uh, the website, right, for, for sales. And there's like $20,000 more than should be in there. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? What just and happened? That, that's what it was. People, <laughs> oh, wow. people liked what we said and bought shirts or just they bought anything, right? Well, I think it's like people are sick and tired of being patronized to. And like if you can just be authentic, even if you're a little abrasive at times or something. like people. So, so people look at me as abrasive, right? I am going to tell you exactly what I want to say in as fast a manner as possible mm-hmm. so that I can move to the next thing. And people take that as a – they take my fact and brevity mm-hmm. for abrasiveness. Right. So that, that's just it, man. People if, – if you just spent your life – treating people well if you didn't if you wanted to treat somebody poorly just don't treat them at all right just don't sure. don't interact with them if you smiled or said something positive it could totally change somebody's day we don't have bad days we have bad moments of days and most of them are very minuscule if you stop and think about it so if we can just simply compartmentalize that there are no bad days like i'm walking around here at five o'clock last night moving things around guys are like you're still working man you you don't ever quit I'm like, this isn't work. This whole weekend, none of I have put myself into a position now where I can literally do anything I want to work, want to do. This isn't work. Yeah. Nothing about this is work. This is life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like right. this, I literally, if you see me doing something, you can rest assured that I want to be doing it. Sure. Sure. Well, I like you said that exact thing. Basically, if you don't like it, don't do it. Right. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I think. Jack always talks about how, uh, what, uh, what's his name, uh, Shark Tank guy. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, Vanderchuck? No, the other one. In- anyways, we anyways, know, we know how, who how he says don't follow your passion, yet that's exactly how he So, is. So it's super easy for dudes with billions of dollars to tell you, fuck that, you know, or Vanderchuck or whoever he is to, uh, don't, you don't need to do that, Cuban, right? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, right? It's super easy to do that. Do you think Mark Cuban manages any of his money at this point do you think mark cuban does things he doesn't want to do right now so it's it's really easy like vanderchuk's like 10 pieces of content every day you gotta you know he's well he owns all those social media companies he's heavily invested he needs you to do that right but what did he really start as right it was it was baseball cards and then it was wine it was the wine where he made his money because he liked doing wine his parents his father owned a liquor store yeah. and he figured out how to sell some of that liquor online and it was it was very popular made a lot of money 
it's easy to look at people and take advice, but it, it's like Ramsey. If you need to get out of debt, Dave Ramsey's awesome to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. Do you think Dave Ramsey's doing any of that investment shit with his money that he's telling you to do? Fuck no, he's not. He's probably he's got so much money, his money's making money every minute, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy to take advice from those big dudes. I would I and I, and I do like I, I do watch and consume that content, and I've become friends with not those guys, but some other dudes in that type of industry. Um, but it's accessibility, right? Can you go there and see it? And are they the same person in reality? And that's kind of been my big thing the last two three years, is I have a, a, an audience. I've done enough stuff now in a enough different realms. Like our YouTube channel is such a mess because we don't have a theme to it. My, my theme is I'm going to do whatever I want to do that day, yeah, about yeah. whatever it happens to be about, right? Yeah. So, but we have enough people that keep coming back, even though we're in such a disarray the way I do things, that they, they just, I ha they're there. So I have an audience and they ask advice and I feel that if I'm in a position to give them advice, that I should be able to back that up with here it is. This, this is, is how, it. It, how yeah. I did it. Yeah, yeah, and have right. proof of it. Right. Because so often we look at content and there's an awesome you know, palette wall in the background and you see these glowing globes or whatever, but the whole rest of their life is a, is a fucking disarray. It's just a shambles, right? Sure. You go to these beautiful homestead YouTube channels and it looks like a fucking bond. It looks like they rounded up all the rest of the property. They've got like an acre that's awesome and then they've got all this other nonsense everywhere else. It's just for show. So I think that we open up, and when people come here, they're like, thank you for coming here. I'm like, how do you know about us? Well, I watch every video. I'm like, dude, if you watch, if you watch or know anything about me, you tell me what you want to see. Nothing is off limits. Yeah. Nothing is off limits here. We can go there. I can show it to you. We can touch it, and we can talk about it. So I, I, I mean, this is a little out of left field, this question, but I guess I'm curious. It seems like you're a guy who values privacy, but you're also putting yourself out there constantly. I mean, is that... Is that something you had to get used to? Because like as no, I grew up, I grew up with it. So I've always I've we were doing this before the internet, mm -hmm. and it was much harder to do before the internet. So as the internet came up, things got simpler. Mm -hmm. And then I was on I, I had a federal search warrant served, so I was on CNN for three days, uh, twelve agencies. Went to federal prison for I was out for twenty for twenty four months uh, going to court, twenty two months in Lompoc prison. Right, so. There was a lot of, I couldn't have been more public at that point than that, right? You're already out so, there. Yeah, so am yeah, I, are yeah. they going to tell my story or am I going to tell my story? Amen. I guess that makes perfect sense. So, yeah. so take, I take guess. Take back the reins, right? So a lot of guys, like people don't like what I say. If you find somebody that doesn't like or takes issue with what I say, ask them if they've ever met me, right? Because they've, they've, it's always that guy, right? Sure. So if they're going to have that conversation, do I want them to be able to tell it or do I want to tell my version of it? So I've never had a problem with that. As far as out, like we don't ever go out in public to a shopping mall or someplace and somebody doesn't come up and go, hey, I love your stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Never have I had a dude come up and go, hey, I think you're a fucking asshole, right? That's never happened. Only on the internet. Yeah. But like when we go out on a weekend to, we'll go to Nashville to have dinner and a movie and stuff. We're videoing it or taking pictures, but you won't see the content until two, three weeks later. If I say, hey, I'm going to Nashville, fucking 20 people will show up there. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, we're able to still do that. I, I guess um, partly I'm almost like nervous. You know, I'm doing the content creation thing, and it, it's like the, the fear of the success of being known all of a sudden after not being known. So and, I, feel, I feel like, <laughs> and you say that very genuinely, yeah. but I feel like you're repeating something you've heard said and don't realize you've been programmed. And maybe and, so, and, maybe and, so. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so I'm, 
I'm so scared. Fear of fear of failure. Fear of fear. of you know fear of failure. I feel like that is the modern day excuse for laziness. Sure. I'm I'm scared to fail. You got to fucking try before you can fail. Yeah. There's not a motherfucker out there you're paying attention to that hasn't failed at a lot of shit. Right. Well, I'm almost less fearful of failure and more fearful of success in that, well, in, which is which is kind of whatever paradoxical, but. It's a recognition of responsibility. The more success you have, maybe the more responsibility you have. Okay, so right? so hold you're your... responsible for how many folks' uh, income, right? Like you've right, got a right, dozen right. employees now. So only so. do good stuff. Yeah, like yeah. we know we've all done stuff in our life that's questionable. Mm-hmm. We've all done stuff, even even if it was a kid, right? You know, right from wrong. We all know that when we do that. Ask yourself when you're doing it. What do I stand to gain by this? And what do I possibly stand to lose? The losses are always greater than the wins. So is it worth doing that thing that feels comfortable or right at the time? Yeah. It's it literally like whether you believe in the Bible or aliens, whatever you believe in, karma, right? If you do good shit, good shit's coming back. If you speak in a positive manner, positive stuff's coming back to you. You can't deny it no matter what your belief is. It's a law of nature. That's always it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too cool. Well, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really appreciate it. So how do we get you to the level you want to be at? What is that? Well, I... Uh... It's a hard question to answer, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm promoting the podcast, Easy Peasy Podcast, and um, really my, my mission is to make backyard veggie gardens more accessible. And so I'm almost viewing the podcast as a vessel for attracting the right people to help me achieve this vision. You know, I want something akin to like an Uber for backyard vegetable gardening, you know, where it's very simple to make contact with a contractor who can get the work done that you want done the way you want it done. And um, so it's kind of, you know, I I see it as a symbiotic thing where you can't just operate in a vacuum. You can't pretend like everything's just going to come to you magically. You have to make that happen and you got to put yourself out there before anybody's going to give a shit. Right. So I, for about three years I worked and just busted my hump building gardens, you know, really enjoy the work, but I felt like something was missing and, I'd go home, I'd get stoned, I'd watch TV, and it's like half of my day is wasted. Um, what am I missing? Like, what do I need to do? And I, I knew that I could podcast, and I had like a certain amount of um, ability to, to talk to people. And it's it seemed like a waste to go all day, every day, all week, basically only talking to my clients and you know, working, working alone, I love, but it was kind of like, am I really even accomplishing what I set out to accomplish? Like there's this missing piece of the puzzle. And I think, you know, content creation kind of fills that, that void where you're not only sort of expanding your potential reach, um, you're putting your hours after work into something creative and productive instead of just farting around doing nothing. That's doing what you love. Right, right. If you like what you're doing, it's not really work. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So do you have, what, you have social media everywhere? Um, Instagram is mostly what I'm doing. Uh, um, Easy Peasy Gardens on Instagram. Okay. And uh, yeah, the Easy Peasy Podcast can be found anywhere. You you talking about TikTok, I've, I've hesitated because I think it's like Chinese mind control, right? But... I think I need to. I need to start. You know, I want to put out video content to help people start their own gardening, and um, 
there's a ton of gardening on there. It's a good platform. Yeah. Whether it's evil or not, let's harness it and try to pull some good out of it. Right, right, right. Like Tai Chi or uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Shift the yeah, energy yeah, yeah. back on the aggressor. Right? Well, dude, your verbal fluency is good. Your voice is fucking awesome. You can definitely, you know already you can do this. So yeah, yeah. if you need eyeballs or you've got something particular that's a good piece of information you want out, send it to me. I'll help you share it and promote it. And I really appreciate that. We'll, yeah. we'll do this again, man. I'll be back in October. There's awesome. no doubt. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate dude, your time, thank man. thank you for your time. Absolutely. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, John Bush. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. You know, I was talking to you yesterday, and I mentioned how when you all were doing the first greater reset that was like a freaking beam of light in a dark room mm -hmm. at, that, at that moment. And um, it's, you know, I've been kind of plugged in with all these podcasts for the last few years, but, you know, COVID stuff, everybody, I think, felt kind of isolated, right? I, yeah, I'm a single guy. I live alone. And... For whatever reason, that five days or whatever of content uh -huh. just gave me like something that I'd been looking for, right? So I want to say thank you for that, first all right. of all. It was your medicine. It was, it was. And uh, obviously, it's way more fun to be in person. Um, so, I'm, you know, it's amazing just being here. But I guess I'm just curious to get a little plug on like what Freedom Cells is all about. Uh, like Before we go there, though, is the greater reset still happening? Is that... Yeah, it's turning into like an annual thing, basically. Yep. So the next one should be in January. Is that and down in Mexico? or? Well, we broadcast in person from Mexico and then also from Texas. So before we talk about Freedom Cells, why don't you just, for my audience, say, you know, kind of what is the greater reset? Oh, sure. Uh, well, the World Economic Forum, which is a group of oligarchs and big corporate goons, uh, they have this concept called the Great Reset. And so they are aiming to reshape society, reshape business, reshape uh, economies, the role of, between government and people. And they basically want more centralization, more control, more surveillance. And so a lot of folks are worried about that. But most people seem to just share articles and do research and complain about it. So we thought, why don't we take this as an opportunity to encourage people to act, to get people activated. Mm -hmm. That's actually the first name of the event, the Greater Reset Activation. Yeah, yeah. So the whole idea is they want to do a great reset. Well, we want to do a greater reset. Yeah. They want centralization. We want decentralization. They want surveillance. We want privacy. Mm -hmm. They want control. We want freedom. So mm -hmm. we bring together visionaries, entrepreneurs, activists, and people that are doing focused on solutions and they present their ideas to the world to help encourage people to act and to get activated. And then on top of that, it's also a wonderful networking opportunity to bring together folks uh, to collaborate and to form community. So that's really what it's all about. Usually it's five days, five different topics, and we're doing it every year at this point. Very cool. So it's almost similar in some ways in my mind. Um, you know, you're, you're being the antithesis to the WEF. I just went down to Texas a couple weeks ago for Childerberg. Have you heard of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a hell of a good time. You yeah, know? I, I, I say it's got a very similar energy, except that was a little less um, practical and a little more psychedelic, if you catch my drift. Uh, sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, their whole idea is we got to you know be the opposite of Bilderberg, so we'll be Childerberg, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of conversations were going on about like you know it was going on at the same time as the Libertarian National Convention. 
and we were kind of all like making jokes like guy you know they're probably not having damn near as much fun as <laughs> <laughs> you know they, that sounds awful stuffy right you uh-huh. know? and a lot of people saying like you know it's kind of like we're trying to be the yin to the to the oligarchs yang right like sure. balance the powers a little bit yeah um so now that we got that cover what the hell is freedom cells all right well freedom cells are small groups of people working together on common goals so the idea is you link up with approximately eight other people seven mm-hmm. other people including yourself you form a group of eight doesn't have to be eight although we encourage around eight people because it's been shown that eight people is the optimal number of people for maximum creativity mm-hmm. span of control i've heard it called um like in search and rescue training they talked about you'd never want to have an organization where there's more than sort of seven people in a in a working group oh right on. once you get beyond seven you say eight you know it's whatever it's probably seven yeah. to nine or whatever yeah. is the sweet spot once you get to ten people you want to subdivide down to do two groups of five or what have you sure yeah um, very similar so I think idea. you're applying a similar principle yep yeah, it's yeah. all about small intimate groups working together on common goals around preparedness private technology cryptocurrency pulling your kids out of government school uh-huh. homesteading whatever it may be food production uh, but then it grows from there so you link up with other small groups and now you have a larger group of small groups. So this is like your cadre, your meta cadre. Inner cadre, middle cadre, meta cadre, yeah. Gotcha, and gotcha. so eventually you have what we call a meta cadre, which is hundreds of people, all that are linked up in smaller groups. Mm-hmm. And so you do stuff predominantly with your inner cadre, your group of eight, but then you also do stuff with the local or regional group, and then from time to time, the entire body gets together to do workshops and connect with one another. And essentially what we're trying to do is create the infrastructure or the framework or the systems needed for us to be self-reliant, for us to be able to ultimately decouple from the state and big corporate systems altogether. Mm-hmm. And that's the bigger picture vision of what it is that we're doing. There's over 33,000 people that are involved all across the globe. Yeah. I mentioned to you yesterday, it's been a couple few months since I've checked, but like Indianapolis, there's a handful of folks that are on there, but I don't know if there's ever actually been a cadre that came together. So I'm really trying to maybe make that happen, right? Uh, Hopefully if, you know, I got, like I said, a certain local audience for this podcast, and I'm thinking if I can talk two or three of them into joining, that's a start, right? Yep, you got to start somewhere. It all starts with just getting together in real life. Uh, we can use Telegram and other social media or whatever, Zoom meetings, just to connect. But ultimately, we encourage people to get out from behind the computer and to come hang out together. Uh, you can meet, socialize to get started, but ultimately, it's about doing stuff. So a great yeah. thing that people can start with is like, hey, we got a few people together. We're starting a group. And now we're going to be like, who has food production going on their property? Mm-hmm. Well, I got a garden over here, but the other two or three guys or girls don't. So. Why don't we meet up at your place in the next two weeks? We'll bring some shovels, we'll bring some soil, some manure, and some seeds and seed starters, and we'll go ahead and get stuff going. And that's the first project that you work on. Then maybe people work on going to the gun range. Sure, or, sure, sure. Uh, putting together a workshop where someone comes and teaches about permaculture, whatever it may be. Sure. You know, I was thinking it's like, um, it's 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 a recognition i think freedom cells is a recognition of the fact that rugged individualism does not work necessarily i mean i guess when i say rugged individualism i just mean you can't do it alone you can be a rugged individual but you need people still you know we can't be jeremiah johnson out there in the wilderness all by ourselves. at least not 
you know, if you want to enjoy your time on this planet, right? And uh, so I think it's great, man. I think what you're doing is really cool. Help, you know, organizing these events, helping people, you know, make communities. I'm, I'm just, I'm impressed. You know, like I think what you're doing is is right on. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we, we honor individual rights, but at the same time, we recognize that we are human animals. The human beings were human animals. And so the idea is to uh, use strength in numbers. Yeah. This guy's yeah. got these skills. They got those skills. This guy owns the tractor. This guy's good with the chickens. This lady leads the homeschool co-op. And uh, we're all able to be more free together by working collectively towards common goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, right on, man. I don't really have anything else to ask. Cool. Uh, if you have any thoughts or whatever, but, you know. No, I mean, if people want to follow my work, I have a business called Live Free Academy. We do all sorts of trainings, online courses, and workshops, helping okay. people to find freedom in their lives. And the website's livefree.academy. Livefree.academy, or if they want to follow or join my email newsletter, livefree.academy slash email. Okay. And it's uh, it's freedomcells.org? Freedomcells.org, yeah. Because there's, there's a fake one. There's you, you a know that. fake ones. Yeah, there's a copycat yeah. that's like some right-wing thing trying Do to Do not go to leverage. freedomcells.com. No.com, no.net, freedomcells.org. Yeah. I should have bought all three. Just I never to be safe. knew this yeah. would turn into a big thing years no ago. Kidding, no but kidding. uh Freedomcells.org, we're upgrading the website so people will be able to sign up on the website to find other people probably in less than a month. And I, you know, like I said, I've looked at it. It's pretty, pretty straightforward, you know, very easy to use. So, anywho, I'll let you go, man. I really appreciate it. I'm hitting the road, getting, getting antsy to get home. So, uh, you're, you're the last interview of the day, and I do appreciate cool. it. Cool. All right. Thanks. Absolutely.